aboard the unsinkable ship, the Titanic. All aboard the unsinkable ship, the Titanic. This ship's never going to go down or else they'll never be able to make a nine-hour motion picture about it. All aboard the unsinkable ship, the Titanic. Place your bets, it'll never sink. You've found yourself at the junction where worlds meet. Politics. Civility. How about honesty in this country, folks? Entertainment. I don't like entertainment. And a whole bunch of other stuff. It's about having a healthy body image. You have a very unhealthy body. You should have a horrible body image. Not a big home improvement market in Detroit. <laughs> we are definitely going to get letters. You're listening to Talk Radio's Strangest Animal. You're a strange animal. You're getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. Oh, I'm in the speedy to Good day, good week, good morning. I am your host, Stephen Crowder, producing with me, not in studio because he's somewhere in, uh, I think, godforsaken Montana. Producing abroad today with me always is Gay Jared. And not gay as always. You can follow him at not gay Jared. I've said all that I need to say. I've fulfilled my legal obligations. You can follow him and draw your own conclusions. Uh, great program. We've got Gavin McGinnis coming back on. He hasn't been on in a while, so that's exciting. We'll have Gerald Morgan coming back on. And, you know, it was it was a really slow news week up until two days ago. And uh, firstly, obviously, thoughts and prayers out to the families affected by the shooting there in Oregon. But, uh, Jerry, didn't know if you know this. Uh, those aren't enough, according to President Obama. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough with the prayers and the Surprise. thoughts. Not enough. It is... Um, Apparently irrelevant, if you heard him and what he said. We, we had this up at the website, Lotter with Crowder. I don't know if you saw this, Jared. Um, they started politicizing this before the bodies were even notified, before the families were even notified. You know, it's horrible. These headlines hit, you know, your phones, your your inboxes, and it's, you just kind of start the mental countdown, you know, to when they do that. Because it's just kind of, that's just what happens now. Yeah. It's just, it's just what they do. I don't know. It's... It literally, well, we timed it out. It took about 18 seconds before gun control was being pushed on Twitter. And, and I, I, you know, listen, I didn't, and I know people will say, ironical, you're, the, you're also pushing it. Well, no, I'm responding to the people who do. I never do it first. There's an argument to be made now that since we know the left will always politicize it, you should do it first. But we didn't do it first. But people right away pushing for gun control, and you have the White House right away pushing for gun control, we didn't know anything at the time other than this occurred at a gun-free zone. We didn't know anything about the shooter. We hadn't identified the victims. We hadn't identified anybody. We knew that it occurred at a gun-free zone. And that is important to note because a lot of people are going to be talking about this and, and, and they're going to, well, you know, a gun control. Okay, all of these shootings occur at a gun-free zone. You will hear some people try and say, actually, Oregon opened up a concealed carry law. They did. They still have some of the most strict gun laws in the country. But the campus was a gun-free Zone. Did you know that as you've been driving through the middle of nowhere listening to John Mayer this week? Have you at all been in the loop? But yeah, I've been somewhat in the loop. I mean, it's just you know that's that's where most of these, almost all of them take place. Almost all of them. Yeah. Looks like, so here's what we do know. 
Gunman's dead. I always hate it when they count that uh, among the deaths. You know, if they're like 14 dead, including Gunman. No, 13 dead and a moral victory. That's the way I see it. Uh, <laughs> he's dead. So that guy's dead. So um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why that's a... I don't know what we're yelling about! He's dead. <laughs> Good. So... We also Ugh. know now that he targeted people of faith. Now, I don't want to go off like a lot of people are going to. We don't know for sure if he targeted Christians. We do know that he asked people if they were religious and he shot them. Uh, I've been digging and digging as much as I can. This is happening you know, right away as soon after, if you're listening to this, the morning right after the incident. Um, it would seem to be that he targeted Christians, but we don't have that evidence yet. So I would hate to come out and say, oh, he targeted Christians. And then the next thing you know, he actually tar targeted tantric yogi practitioners. You know, there's a chance. Those guys are a problem. They, they are, are a problem. problem. It, you know what? As a matter of fact, I don't even know if you consider that a moral victory. Because the tantric yogi people, man, they are, they are causing some serious... I mean, step aside anyone who's not tantric yogi. I was going to say mm -hmm. Islam, but they blow us up because it's Dearborn, so you have to be careful. You know, they blow stuff up, the Muslims. So UCC is a gun-free zone. Oregon is an open carry state. Security guards at UCC don't carry firearms. Uh, I'm trying to see. What else? Uh, former president of the school said the guards were not armed, and after the shooting, he still wouldn't want them armed. The sheriff handling the case, Biden and sent an anti-gun control letter. Okay, so we have so 10 killed, 7 injured. So this is what we know right now. And we know that Barack Obama came out and said that prayers and thoughts weren't enough. And of course, what do they do? We've talked about this. I mean, it's almost like if we were lazy, we could just recycle all of the old pieces that we write on these things and then just change the name. Because we do, for people who don't go to louderwithcredit.com, we do write evergreen pieces like, okay, here are the top five myths about gun control that you should know. Or we go, here, here's all the information about the Australia uh, gun ban that you should know. Because you know they're going to trot that out. That's why I did that with Canadian healthcare. For the longest time, you had Michael Moore. He had this presidency going, well, you know, you got, you got great healthcare in Canada. And I would say, well, you know, being Canadian is not, no, 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 here you go. Okay, your healthcare plan in Canada is don't get sick. That's your healthcare plan. That's a, that about covers all the pre-existing conditions that they don't want to treat in Canada. So we released a video on the results of socialized healthcare in Canada. And then they pivoted and they went to Sweden. And now they don't really use Canada so much as an example anymore. But Barack Obama came out and he praised the Australia gun ban. Well, we've covered this. So you know about the Australia gun ban, right, Jared? Yeah, yeah. It happened back in, what, 96, 94? Yeah, 96. So around then. Huge, just, just, they bought them all back or something. Yeah. There was a yeah. massacre in Tasmania. It left 35 people dead. Mm -hmm. And so they established a gun uh, buyback program. So that sounds kind of an end. Like, oh, they're going to buy it back. It's like a bargain bin. It's like cheating in your clothes. It's just like going on down to the Goodwill. No, 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 no. It was mandatory, the gun buyback. So basically it was turn in your guns, right? You will, you will turn in your guns. That's what happened. What are the results in Australia? This is important for you to be armed. Listen, there's an argument that gun-related homicides um, have, have gone down. There's an argument that crime, they don't know exactly what happened. But some places have the overall homicide rate increasing at 3.2%. And uh, there are quite a few places that have the armed robbery rates increasing at 44% since 1996. Now, here's the thing. It's this, I can't say with definitive proof that this is absolute. Right. We don't know for sure that crime has significantly increased 
because of the, the gun laws. But here is something we do know with absolute certainty is that the gun buyback program did not decrease crime. It didn't, it didn't work for what it set out to be. It looks, most indicators would tell us that it actually increased overall violent crime. We know that it didn't decrease crime. And we know that now there are more guns in Australia than ever, both legal and illegal. I guess all, th- all gun owners are illegal in Australia, but I mean owners who previously had them, who decided to buy them. You're talking about a double-barrel, skeet-shooting shotgun. Um, th- that's what's happened in Australia. So crime never went down. There are more gun owners than ever. In a place like Australia, by the way, that is a much smaller, much more homogenous culture. That's one thing that a lot of people don't like to acknowledge because they like to paint the United States as racist. You can't really apply gun control laws from other countries to the United States. We have a very diverse color palette. We have very diverse groups of people here. We have all kinds of people from different economic walks of life, not only here in the States, but the countries from which they come. It's not the same as a place like like Switzerland or Norway, who up until you know recently when they've been raped by giant roaming packs of Muslims, um, they were mostly all white, blonde, and looked like the Swedish chef. So you can't really compare those statistics. Uh, Montreal, where I'm from, people love to point to Canada. Well, handguns were effectively banned when I was raised. I didn't know a single person who had a gun. We've talked about that, Jared. If Mm -hmm. I found out that anyone had a a handgun, I was like, oh, my God, your dad's a criminal. (laughs) Because it didn't didn't exist. It wasn't even a thing. (laughs) We had four mass shootings since 87 in Montreal. We had École Polytechnique. Uh, Concordia, Dawson shooting, where I had friends locked up in rooms. The only the reason that wasn't as big of a deal was because it was some goth kid who was a horrible shot. Surprise. Um, I can't remember what the fourth one was. But the one of them was, I think, was the Polytechnic. It was, I think, 16 women were killed. The guy came in. He was mad because he lost his job to some kind of a quota for women who needed to be employed. And he lined them up and killed them execution style. It wasn't like people running and he kind of, you know fired a scattered bird shot. He lined up women and shot them. Really sick, twisted stuff. This is in Montreal. I don't know. Can you name me any big United States city? Anyone out there, tweet me at S. Crowder. Is there any major U.S. city that has had four execution-style mass shootings? Can you think of any, Jared? Gosh, I don't think so. Maybe in a a state, but not in a city. I can't think of, I mean, listen, if you, people include gang violence and stuff, but, you know, I don't include it the same thing. You know, the second you put on, second you flash your crip symbol, um, I don't consider you a victim of a mass shooting. I consider you a, a, a dumbass who, you know, there, there might be some street cleaning that occurs at the hands of the bloods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to get letters. Yeah, they, they can't find me now. They can't find you now. <laughs> it is true, though. It is, you know, we, and that's one thing. Barack Obama came out and he tweeted out this. Look at this, you know, crimes in other countries, uh, crimes, Americans killed by terrorists versus American kills killed by violent deaths. And of course, it looks through the roof charts. But he's including gang violence. He's including, um, I, I, from what I understand, deaths that involve killing intruders into the home. So again, that's that sort of moral equivalency of. Well, no, terrorism is always bad. Gun death is not necessarily bad. Violent gun death is not necessarily bad. You can take a gun and use it to rape somebody, or you can take a gun and use it to stop a rape. 
So it's important to look at those things contextually, and we're told not to. We're just told to accept, look at Australia's gun laws. Isn't it great? Look at how many people have died from terrorism. It's very few, and look how many people have died from guns. So you literally have a president right now who's making the argument that all gun deaths are worse than terrorism. He's a Muslim! I can hear you saying it. I didn't say that, but I hear people saying that, and I, I can see why you would think that when he says these things, but he's not a Muslim. Louder with Crowder will be back. He's not a Muslim! In fact, it was a little bit frightening. Sweetheart, what are you doing? Stop playing with your food. It's not proper. Future husband Billy Zane. No one in the societal class understands me. love that song it gets me going in the in the morning or possibly afternoon if you're listening to our wonderful or affiliate cone Alaska. evening or, or evening. we can just go on with and the on. podcast stuff all the possibilities all the possibilities and you are in you're in montana right i'm in montana it is fantastic up here i tell you what i, I hate fantastic montana. oh man well okay, i don't hate are- montana i hate wyoming i went to wyoming once and the, it was just horrible you know, it, these states really depends on, well, like any state, I guess, really depends on where you're at because there's some towns that are just absolute dumps. Care to correct dumps. that sentence? Absolute dumps. Care to correct but, that grammar in that sentence? No, I don't care to, Stephen. It's, it's, <laughs> it's 4 a.m. out here. Yeah, I know. I, I could care less. Do you have caffeine or are you going this? Are you going? I have caffeine. I have my, my Starbucks opportunity. See that? Oh, okay. Yeah. The best okay. the gas station uh, could offer. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I was in Wyoming and I remember I was doing this stand up gig. And this guy went out, and I always just have this rule with stand-up. I say, hey, just don't – just say this. Just say by way of Canada, you know, through New York or lived in New York. It helped set up my first joke. Just mention that I was raised in Canada. And they could, because they go up, and conservatives just – they have these horrible senses of humor. I hate to say it. I'm sorry, but they're not used to stand-up comedy. Most conservatives don't go to comedy clubs. And well, it's so just Tim Hawkins or whatever his name is. <laughs> Tim Hawkins at the, at the churches. What's the deal with communion? <laughs> So what happened was he basically read from Wikipedia and there's like horrendous stuff on Wikipedia that's not true even now sitting there like, oh, and I went up to him afterwards. I said, man, just don't next time. Just don't read from Wikipedia. He's like, oh, well, I've, I've been hosting radio for years. And that's the thing. They get these radio hosts to MC and, you know, doing radio is not the same as doing a live performance. That's why Rush Limbaugh is just terrible live when he's MCing. He's a great, great Radio host, obviously, but when he's live emceeing or doing CPAC, he's basically doing radio, you know, long-form mm-hmm. radio in a five-minute spot. So Wyoming, I didn't have great experiences, and then I got a speeding ticket for going 80 in a 70 zone where there was literally nothing as far as the eye could see. Yep. And the, the guy said, why were you going so fast? And, and um, you know, the old joke is I was trying to get the hell out of Wyoming. And uh, <laughs> it's not my joke. It's an old joke. But um, – he didn't find it funny, and he promptly gave me a ticket. So I had that. As he should have. As he should have. As he should have. 
So we'll be talking with Gavin McGinnis after this. We'll be talking more so about kind of cultural leftism to get a break. But right now we'll talk about continued sort of debunking some gun myths because it's important for you to be armed when it comes to this stuff. Then after the break, after Gavin, sorry, we will talk about actually Salon.com had a pedophile go up and write an article called I'm a pedophile, but I'm not a monster. And it was a very sort of self-sympathetic screed, woe is me, sob story, talking about how we need to be understanding of pedophiles. I wrote an article that went pretty viral responding to him. To me, if you're a pedophile, you deserve a bullet in the head. Now, if you haven't acted on it, if you haven't molested a child, uh, okay, you get a five-second head start to leave the village. Sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe you had a tough break. Maybe you were molested as a kid. My job is to defend our children, that's our job as a society, make sure they're safe way down the list of priorities and making sure that pedophiles feel good about themselves. It occurs somewhere around number 8,642, I believe. I, I don't know the exact number, but it's not at the top of my list. Salon gave this pedophile a platform again, and he wrote an article, I'm a pedophile, but you're the monsters, a week in the right-wing hate machine, called me a bigot, compared me to a Nazi, for condemning the pedophile. So I wrote a piece. We did some digging. And I don't know if you've been following this, Jared, out there in Montana. Um, we've done some digging. We found some screenshots. We found some actual posts from him. I on saw the some of that. Freaking nuts. It looks like he's had actual contact, contact has molested a young girl, uh, openly talks about grooming young girls, which is a pedophilia term, meaning giving them pornography, meaning trying to get them acclimated to sexual activity. So we found this and we're actually sending it to the FBI. So please go to lottowithcrowder.com, read the article, and I want you to send this to the FBI because someone like this who's on salon.com, one of the biggest liberal sites there is, okay, bigger than the conservative sites, bigger than, uh, than, than Breitbart, bigger than a lot of the sites you like. This is a huge left-wing site, has given this allegedly active pedophile a platform twice. So this is beyond just sort of news back and forth. You're a bigot. This is a guy who's possibly molested children and liberals are getting behind the cause. We'll talk more about that after Gavin. Let's talk here about some of these, some of these, you know, gun myths. They're being trotted out. Australia, we just talked about. Gun ban didn't work. Gun-free zones keep people safe. That's a myth that a lot of people, a lot of people believe for some, whatever reason, that gun-free zones stop criminals. Never go for retard. Do you, do you believe that, Jared? Do you believe the gun-free zones? You know, if I was just paying attention to MSNBC and, you know, the general idiot on Twitter, probably would. I probably would. Can't believe you. Your punishment must be most of it. That's my life. <laughs> so gun-free zones, let me give you a stat. Let me give you statistics, Sonny. See, 92% of public shootings since 2009 have occurred in gun-free zones. Crazy thought. Let me give you, I can't deliberately say that, uh, well, it's fun that people, I don't know, people can't tweet. My, my wife is sending me something about Twitter. I have no idea. She's always bothering me during the show. Tweet me at S. Crowder. Apparently Facebook isn't working. People don't realize that uh, criminals may not respect the gun sign. I was going to kill, I was going to kill a pregnant lady and her child, but. Shoot, there's a sign with a gun and a line through it. I better straighten up and fly right. All right. Uh, Myth, they're going to trot this out because, you know, the legislation is always pushed for assault rifles for magazine capacities. So the idea that most public shootings are committed by assault rifles. What do you think about that, Jared? You think that's true? Um, I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to say true. 
Just, just those guys are retards. Not true. Uh, 80% of murders involving firearms are committed by handguns, basic handguns like you and I own. Of course, those should be banned as well if you heard the left. And uh, hold on here. Let me see. Derek, how are we doing on time? I got about a minute. Okay, I got about a minute. Number three, cities and countries with strict gun laws have low instances of shootings. You think that's true, Jared? I'm going to say, I want to say that sounds pretty true, Stephen. Sounds, sounds pretty true. Sounds pretty true. The pretty true. is wrong, bitch. Ah, got Chicago, me again. 82 shootings in July 4th weekend, 14 shootings just this last week, and ranks top three in highest murder cities in America. As a matter of fact, the cities with the most strict gun laws uh, always have the highest incidence of violence. Uh, gun violence is increasing. What do you think? True, false, real quick. False. Ah, no, actually, it's, uh, it's, uh, no, you're right. It is false. Oh, my gosh. Ooh, okay, you know what? We got to go a break. Gavin McGinn is coming up. We'll come back with this after this, after this, 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 this. This. Jared, what are you doing? Shoot bad guys. With what? My AR-15. Where'd you get it? AR-15.com. Oh, there's another one. Kaboom. You got him. Yeah. Thank God for AR-15.com. They have AR-15 and accessories for sale and the best advice there is on the web. Oh, no, there's another one. Kaboom. You got him. Yeah. With your what? AR-15. From where? AR-15.com. That's the best place to go, and that's the takeaway because this commercial's about to stop. You're listening to L- L- Louder with Crowder. Louder with Crowder. Louder with Very happy to have this next guest, a returning guest. And um, last time he was doing something different, he's just, he's, he's everywhere now. You can find him at anthonycumia.com. He has a podcast there, not for the faint of heart. And uh, if you're watching the video cast, he's wearing an incredible getup. Gavin McGinnis, thanks for being on. Salut, là. Salut, ça va bien, là? No, pas du tout. That's right, you were telling me about the, uh, the, the fries you ate, and it's giving you bags. We oui, hier soir, j'ai mangé des frites. Uh, I don't know what was with them, but uh, I were judging this comedy roast, which was pathetic, by the way. And uh, my eyes started getting itchy. And then by the time I walked out of there, I could barely see. I put Preparation H on my face and ate Benadryl, but I'm still like, look, I look like a, uh, I'm incredibly embarrassed all the time. I am. <laughs> well, you should feel that way regardless. Uh, yeah, people listening to wrestling, going, what's he talking about? You can see the video cast at, at ladderwithcrowder.com. It could just be an MSG thing. I don't know. I mean, you should be of good stock considering you ate poutine in Montreal your whole life. This should be nothing. Maybe it was the dip. I don't know. It's. I mean, I, I guess it's boring to talk about, but I just want to explain to all the women there who were hoping to use this for some <laughs> sort of material. Uh, that's why I'm so much uglier than usual. All right, so... You have the podcast now, the Anthony Cumia Podcast Network. You're working with Rebel Media up there in Canada. Great people. We kind of touched on this last time. Um, you, you, you were born in Scotland, I want to make sure, and then you moved to Canada? My parents are Scottish. They w- went down to England and had me. And then in the 70s, Canada was desperate for educated citizens because they uh, wanted to build up their computer industry. Computers right. were hot. And so they just went to British schools and said, Anyone here interested in physics or engineering or anything sciencey? And some people put up their hand. They go, "Come on aboard. We'll we'll pay for everything." And they sort of built these suburbs, poured in these British immigrants, 
and made Canada. And, that and was- then Bombardier happened. So yeah. that's, that's pretty, you know, it's funny, my, um, my ex-girlfriend, her grandfather, who actually fought for Hitler, and I think may have gotten some Hungarians killed, um, when he moved to Montreal, he was looking, he wanted to get a job, and so they were building, I don't know if it was the Champlain Bridge, no, it was a Victoria Bridge, and he said, you know, I've I, I a job, you know, they said, okay, see if you can walk up that, that scaffold or whatever they call it with a bridge there, see if you can walk across that and walk back, if you can, uh, you'll get a job, so he walked up, and he came back, and they said, okay, he had the job. But it turns out about half the people just fell. And then they opened up Bombardier and was it uh, uh, Pratt & Whitney. Pratt & Whitney was another one. And he went in there, started working the floor, and then he became an engineer. He became an actual engineer there. So the American success story back then could still be had in Canada. But th- that's what I was getting. When you and I were raised there, a lot of people raised in the United States don't realize how quickly that can go away. I mean, you had Vice, which you created, you started up, brought it to the States because the opportunity just wasn't there in Canada. Do you feel concerned with like a Bernie Sanders or a Hillary Clinton that that could happen here? Oh, totally. I mean, if, if she wins, a Bernie Sanders can't win. If he did... I don't I, know. I don't know. I think he might beat her in the primary. I, I don't know. If he became the next president... I mean, we already had a socialist president for eight years. Can you imagine what you'd do? I w- it would be like when Breitbart died. I'd be in a daze for three days. I've said this about Bernie Sanders, um, and people are going to get really mad and I'll be audited. It's the first time where I would think of renouncing my citizenship and leaving because, I mean, you know, if you run a business, typical day for me is 14 hours right now. I haven't taken a two-day weekend in over a year. Um, I'm not going to put that work in so a guy like Bernie Sanders can take 90% as he claims to want to do. I think you'll see a lot of people, because he's really extreme, even more so than Hillary. If that's the case and he gets what he wants, I would strongly have to consider that. Is that unreasonable? I mean, it seems hyperbolic, but who knows? Maybe you should leave. I don't know. 90% tax he wants to put. He said if he could on the top, you know, top 1%. Top 1% is all households with over... 500,000 a year. Top 10%, which he's proposed 70% tax, is any household making 150,000 a year. Any household making 150,000 a year, you're in the top 10%. Well, we saw what happened with France. There was a mass exodus. Right. I mean, same with Britain. The Rolling Stones said, we love Britain. We just can't afford to live there. So it, I think it'll, it'll, if he does try to institute that, it can't last because everyone with money will just start disappearing and they'll take their jobs with them. But there's a disconnect. I mean, you're young, you're hip, you're with it. See, you got the facial hair, you're in Brooklyn. Um, there's an entire generation of people, again, who aren't, weren't raised in, in Canada, so they don't see how quickly it can happen. They don't understand that a 70, 90% tax, that you, you can't pay for the things he promises. I don't know if you've seen the, the we did the math breakdown on his plan, was um, $18 trillion in additional debt to running our current deficit over the next 10 years. If you cut military spending by 100%, tax dollar earnings over a million dollars by 100%, you still couldn't pay for it. But people don't care. Well, it's really the death of math. I mean, right. we, we used to push math hard in school and people understood numbers. Now no one cares about numbers. So 30 million immigrants, 1 million immigrants, no problem. 18 trillion, it's just a big number. Can a rich guy pay it? How much does a rich guy have? Doesn't he have like 17 trillion? No. He has a trillion. You can't, and, and I've heard Hollywood liberals say this. They just need to tax a few rich guys. Maybe George Soros and Warren Buffett could get together and pay off the debt in an afternoon. They, you could bleed every billionaire dry, and you'd barely take a chip off of it. Right. 
the left takes advantage of this with immigration and with, with the, the debt, where they know that no one's going to check the numbers. Same with education. You go, how much does the average uh, American kid get per year? And they go, I think it's about 13000 a 1000 a month. And they'll go, I don't know, uh, 400 bucks. And then just try it. Just lie and go, it's actually 50000 And uh, they'll go, oh. And I go, should it be more? And they go, yeah. Well, right. What's the limit? 100000 per student? And they'll go, there is no limit. The children are our future. I'm just like, you don't understand. Two plus two is four. Well, it's a brilliant system to think about it. I'm, I'm, I'm becoming less and less convinced that, that college is a necessity, let alone even valuable for a lot of people. But it's a brilliant system. Get them into university where they'll be indoctrinated at, at, at a relatively young, malleable age and now declare it, like Bernie Sanders, a human right, or even Clinton is going that way, a human right so they feel entitled to free college. Um, and they come out and you have a voter base, you have a voting base for years. Whereas if you look at kids who go to trade schools, uh, who ultimately a lot of them end up opening up businesses, they're more successful. It used to be a point where it was about the same or a little bit less as more studies come out. It's, it's turning out that there are actually more job opportunities that pay better for kids in trade schools than college, but no one talks about it. Well, yeah, there's this, I think with boomers, they saw that the ones who had an education made tons more money. So that became, you need an education. Now, college is almost a victim of the free market because they went, when we have high standards, we don't get that many students. So why don't we lower the bar and invent a whole doctrine here of other courses? Like when I was in school, there was the philosophy of self was a class. Yeah. <laughs> philosophy of love was a class. Now we have classes like how to be gay is a class. That's true. You texted me that because you told me I said, I'm, I sent something homoerotic and you said you'd learned how to become gay. <laughs> it's humid oh, here in New York. I believe that. This is terrestrial. Oh, sorry. You um, can say that in Quebec. You can say that on. I don't know what Cumia does over there, but over here. The swear word. Sorry. Yeah, the uh, French, French Canadian. It's not. You see it on primetime TV. Oh, really? Yeah, the F word. They use it like a period. You know that. You can turn it on to tell. Uh, 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 Wait, did I say the F word? Yeah, you did. You said that, and then you also said SC. Wow, that's weird. Sorry about that. Um, so I don't know if it was a grand Marxist scheme or if it was just they go, hey, when these people are idiots, right? They're into right. idiocracy. So let's feed them idiocracy. Let's have these terrible courses that are totally useless where they come out dumber when, than when they went in. And it perpetuates itself because there's this myth of everyone needs education. And it's even more untrue today than it was before because the education you're providing is all and you have these guys who they don't, that we're short on tradesmen. And I see these, I have friends of mine that have nothing going on with their lives because they're not that smart. And you go, you would have been an awesome welder and you've had a happy life. My buddy is a, a blue collar uh, electrician in the union. He makes more money than I do. And I know a lot of lawyers who make 40K a year. Well, it depends where you're going. Starting salary, if you're like Harvard or U of M, I think it's 160. They must have gone to a crappy school, man. There's a glut. There's too many lawyers. Yeah, I know. You're telling me. We have feminists threaten to sue us all the time. I don't know what it is. They must get, they must get all the pro bono work in the country, these feminists. We <laughs> constantly get requests to remove their image. We just have, well, yeah, that's right. You were texting me asking, well, what was that image with the feminist? We had a feminist who put out this image of her giant fat self with a T-shirt that says, I'm an effing feminist. And she used it to promote her, I think, stop and stare clothing line. So we're like, well, this is perfect for a feminist meme, and we added some text, and then she claimed that her mother was in the hospital and it was causing her great anguish to remove it. 
And as a courtesy, I removed it, but then I realized she was probably lying. And you asked me, you may not even, you said, what image was it? And I sent it to you, you said, oh yeah, I'd use it, but if she commits suicide, that'd be a real liability. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what happens with these, these feminists. Like when I showed up in my underwear, in this video, for those of you who haven't seen it, you can go to the website and see the video. Um, it's perfectly legal, right, to be in your underwear. You have this, that guy in New York, the cowboy. But feminists can say, oh, it caused recall to rape, and so I feel like it was sexual harassment. And they can claim rape to a cop, and then you end up in a situation because they just don't believe in language anymore. They choose to make it up as they go. Well, wasn't, wasn't it funny, too, how the second that she felt threatened or there was any kind of uncomfortableness, she threw in her sick mom right into the, my mom's sick, my mom's sick. Yeah. So shallow and weak I, well guys don't do that unless they someone makes a mom joke and you're trying to nail them back like my mom has cancer yeah in in that case it's funny <laughs> exactly we had this thing so you know the whole deal with dove charney right uh well which which deal so aa american apparel wanted him out and oh yeah 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 they needed, a, needed an excuse so they said it's all these sex sexual harassment lawsuits right because he was mr illegal immigration yes so this the Lawsuits were long dead, but they kept coming back. And I think one of the reasons is I put these pictures on my site. One is of Kimber Lowe, uh, nude, getting f***ed by Dove. Sorry. Good getting, Lord, Gavin. Sorry, sorry. Uh, making love to Dove. And uh, the other ones are from uh, this other girl, Irene Morales, and she is pleasuring herself. And that's relevant because they went on um, Good Morning America or one of these, these shows, you know, dressed in little... Hillary Clinton suits and said, Kimberlo said she was raped and Irene Morales said she was a sex slave. So the pictures are from the sexual encounter she's talking about. So mm -hmm. that proves it's not rape. And the uh, Irene Morales was sending him disgusting, perverted texts after she was done working at American Apparel. Right. So I would never put up pictures like that normally, but they were relevant to the case and they're asking for a quarter of a billion dollars from Dove. It ended up ruining him. He's got no money, I don't think. Uh, that was a $400 million company. It's about to file for bankruptcy. American Apparel is? Yeah. And I didn't know that. One of the biggest charges was Kimber Lowe uh, tried to kill herself, I believe. Uh. So now it becomes a criminal act, which is why I said that to you about that picture. Yeah. But, but yeah, American Apparel is on the outs. They, you know, they, it's funny. They came, you know, they, they grew more popular in Montreal. A lot of people don't realize that. Montreal... They're, they're behind as far as technology, but they're way ahead as far as fashion. And American Apparel was huge in Montreal before they started setting up in malls here in the States. And, yeah. Um, that's what Dove is. He's a Shimada Jew. And that's a classic <laughs> Montreal guy, the, the Jewish-English hustler. And when you apply that guy, who's bi perfectly bilingual and can hustle and get through the dirt of right. Montreal bureaucracy, he just murders in a free country like america well let me uh we have to go keep the lights on from these evil capitalist sponsors gavin mcginnis will be back after this stay tuned and we'll we'll be sure to keep wow that's the most beautiful girl i've ever seen she wouldn't want anything to do with a simple lower-decker boy like me. I don't know anything about those fancy dinner parties or those dresses with the butts that go out really far or bringing my own knives to steak dinners. Still, I bet I can get her to pose naked for a painting and screw her in a steamy car.
is Louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. Back with Gavin McGinnis. You know, it's funny you were talking about American Apparel. Because this is inter- something I find interesting about you. What is, what are you, what, what's that face? What are you doing? These bags, this, this, uh, this allergic reaction makes for so I don't know, but Benadryl is what I imagine a hangover would feel like. I've never actually been hungover, but Benadryl just ruins me for the entire day. No, no, no. Benadryl, you're just sluggish. A hangover is like you're being sued and the mob just put a hit out on you and you can't find your son. He's lost. I don't know if that's quite, uh, if I would go that, but possibly, I don't know. See, that's the thing. That's a perfect leftist argument. It's like, you haven't done heroin? How can you have an opinion on it being legal? Well, <laughs> I guess you're right. I haven't done it. So, um, though pretty much everyone who's done morphine has effectively done heroin. Little known fact, heroin was de- developed as a synthetic, non-addictive alternative to morphine. Talk about a screw-up. I wanted to go back to American Apparel because that's something I find really interesting that Americans might not know. Now, you're a pretty profane guy. You're pretty rough around the edge. Uh, around the edges, but you're also a, a man of faith, and you've talked about how you're kind of growing in that too. You came to it, a, a, came back to it a little bit later. Um, back came to it, came to it. Yeah, it's true. Well, I guess I. My dad said that me baptizing my kids was child abuse. Oh. And but he doesn't think third-term abortions are bad. Good lord. Nice definitions of abuse, huh? I I hate to tell you, your father's a sick man. Murder's fine. Splashing of water is abuse. Yeah, that's that's a little bit bizarre. Okay, so you came to faith later on. But American Apparel is interesting because their ads have always been risque here in the United States. But I remember there was an ad in Montreal. And I went there and there was an ad of a... They sell these sort of mesh bodysuits. And there was a girl on all fours from behind, no underwear. And this was, you know, the size of an entire wall. And I remember just pointing to someone there saying... Hey, listen, obviously I don't care. I like looking at that. I'm a guy, biologically, but a kid can walk in here, man. He goes, well, we're very, very forward in our advertising. And as someone who is personally pretty edgy, do you see that, though, as sort of a problem, a, a sort of a, a cultural pulling at the twine of the fabric? I mean, Montreal, our Times Square is club super sex, is strip clubs, and it doesn't have good ramifications. Does that as all, at all concern you with our generation here? Or it, it's something I would imagine you have an interesting opinion on. I don't want kids seeing porn that involves fornication, but I have no problem with the human body. And I thought those ads were all pretty tasteful. I mean, the woman looked sexy, but I don't see... Nudity is as no. This was different. The one I'm talking about was actually in the store, and it was literally a girl. Picture her from behind on all fours. You you could basically use it as a as an anatomy chart. Oh, you could see her. her. You could see her nether regions entirely. Yeah, isn't that illegal? Not well, not in Montreal. I mean, think of the signs for the strip clubs there, or the moving neon hand with the butt in Montreal. It's like (laughs) (laughs) it is so awful. And when I tell Americans, they don't believe me. I'm like, oh no, you're exaggerating. No, 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 I'm not. And um, it well, does take away innocence. Fofun, there's a bar called Fofun Electrique. Is, is a Fofun the entire butt, or is it more specific? I, you know, it's funny. Remember, everyone's like, hey, want to go to Fuff's? And I was that straight-laced kid. I was like, no, I don't want to go to Fuff's, because weird stuff happened there. <laughs> and, yeah, it's, it, I mean, as someone who is more sort of libertarian in my approach to enforcing any kind of beliefs, I also see the negative ramifications in Montreal. I mean, Montreal is actually, people are going to get mad at this. You know this. Uh, French Canadians have about the same teen pregnancy rate, dropout rate, and abortion rate 
as black Americans. And that's the single highest demographic in all of those, you know, anywhere really in the industrialized world. Um, Quebec has the highest abortion rate in the industrialized world if you were to judge it as a country. And you've got to say, well, this hypersexualized culture at some point has got to have something to do with it. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough subject as a dad because before all this, I didn't care about any of it and thought it was all totally rad. And I still, I mean, we go to this anarchist uh, uh, commune sometimes in, in England where this band Crass uh, built a sort of a, uh, they call it dial house. And there's tons of kids running around and a lot of the people are nude. So they'll just, you'll be talking to a nude guy uh, and there's a kid running in the background. I don't see anything wrong with that. It's totally asexual. But uh, I'm the same way. Yeah. <laughs> really? No, I mean, I would do that. And I also I remember my my dad, you know, I started out acting I was like, well, would you what would what's your line? I said, I would do a full on streaking, you know, my Doniger showing if it was supposed to be like a frat scene and it was a dumb idiot. I said, but the moment you get into something that's sexualized, particularly if I'm married, I wouldn't I wouldn't do any of it. So I would sooner be completely nude running down the street. Uh, than I would be doing any kind of uh, a sex scene, even if there was no nudity in a film. Remember, because I had to think about those things. And my dad said, oh, okay, that's that's fair. Is he square, too? Is my, you think that's square? <laughs> no, I'm just asking. Uh, my dad is, he's actually called into the show. He's He, would, he swears almost n- zero, but when he does, it punctuates a sentence. And he's probably, to a leftist, probably the most offensive person you could imagine, but he's never dirty. <laughs> well, my dad's never not dirty. And my parents were always <laughs> nude when I was a kid. They're still nude. Like if they come to visit, I'll be, my mom will be walking back from the bathroom and I'll see all her geriatric genitalia. Um, but, uh, oh, farts, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, let me tell you this about my dad to give you an idea. My dad, I remember, um, he, he, gave us a, he gave me the sex talk when I was three, just so you know. So he just said, you know, we don't want you to think of it as anything dirty at all. But as a Christian, he wanted me to understand the parameters that he thought and he raised me to be appropriate for sex. So I had it at three and actually got, um, they called home in preschool because they were doing the stork business and I corrected her with medically accurate terminology. So my dad was never, uh, and he, same thing in church, he would get in trouble for just telling people, he's like, hey, this is, he would be really open about sex, but he believed it was between a husband and wife, but he was never a prude about it. Right. Well, I, I'll tell you, I'll never see anyone happier than a, a young Catholic girl who churned out a bunch of kids early. Uh, unfortunately, that option is pretty rare these days, especially in New York City. Yeah. And I, I, I'm of two minds about it. I mean, I'm definitely not scared of sex. Oh, that's what I was going to say. There is a real latent Puritanism in America, that, and it's shocking coming from sex-positive Montreal, where it's the right and the left are both really uptight about it. The right just can't handle any sort of nudity and any kind of allusions to sex, and the left has this whole no means no and like I just heard today on Anthony and yes means no and yes means no and loving it and then regretting it eight years later means no and you go you just sound like the sexual puritans on the far right even there was feminists saying that the kiss cam oh my gosh you know what hold on a second we have to go to a break uh let's go to the well for those listening this will be available online at a web extended version where Gavin will go into conservative and leftist sexology uncensored stay tuned we'll be right back you're listening to Louder with Crowder. Follow Stephen on Twitter at S. Crowder. Hey, listener, what are you doing? You're listening to the show, but you're missing so much content at louderwithcrowder.com. Don't worry. I'm not trying to sell you anything, not any gold or self-lubricating pocket catheters, just news 
videos and exclusive stuff that you don't hear on terrestrial radio. Again, it's, it's all free. We're not asking you to spend any money. Just visit there, get your news, and get a couple of laughs. If you want to send me money, that's fine. What? I don't even know. How do you get in this room? Cold hard in? cash. This ad took a bad turn. Hey! Louderwithcrowder.com. Don't listen to Fun Dip. It doesn't cost a thing. Louderwithcrowder.com. You're getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. Oh, I'm in the speedy to Whoa. Glad to be back. Of course, that is going with Strange Animal. I am your host, Stephen Crowder. In the second hour, producing with me from Montana is Gay Jared. Uh, you can follow him at not gay Jared and me at S Crowder and draw your own conclusions. <clears throat> so that was Gavin. Sorry. One second here. Let me hit the cough button. I've never had to use that button before. Jeez. Hopefully not a bowl of can't survive without me, Steven. Can't survive. Can't survive. Without cough button. Gavin, nice guy. You can listen to the extended version up at, uh, the website. A few things have happened. Obviously right now, everyone's going to be flooded with the, the, the shooting news. That's the big deal. Um, but something a lot of people maybe overlooked is the Netanyahu speech to the UN. Oh man, this thing we have it up at the website. This thing will send shivers. I mean, I got chills watching this. Didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's the control he had of that floor. If you watch the clip, it's pretty. Whether you pretty, like him or not, yeah, you're going. Oh, that's that's what a that's what a leader with balls looks like. Whether you like him or not, whether you're an anti-Semite or whether you hate Jews or Zionism or whether you're pro-Hamas, regardless, you have to. It's, I mean, you know, like with with Putin, I don't like the guy, but um, I the do have realize, a presence. Yeah, the guy has a presence. Even he's like five foot two, you know, a buck twenty. But the guy seems to actually have some kind of convictions. And as a matter of fact, at the UN, it was unanimously agreed upon that Barack Obama was underwhelming and he was upstaged by both Netanyahu, of course, and even Putin. But let me play some of the speech for you where he's talking about the Iran deal. So let me get this for you. And 70 years after the murder of 6 million Jews, Iran's rulers promise to destroy my country, murder my people, and the response from this body, the response from nearly every one of the governments represented here has been absolutely nothing. Boom. Utter silence. Deafening silence. And right now, this is still running. He's just looking at everyone in the UN. So on radio, we can't let there be for 45 seconds of dead air. Right now, Netanyahu is looking out at the audience in real time, saying nothing. No words. Right now, he's staring at them. And they're starting to wiggle in their seats, and they're uncomfortable. He's talking about Iran who wants to exterminate the Jews. Boom. He lets his seconds just tick away. Never seen anything like it. Watching it right now, I'm getting chills. This is a guy who wants his people to not be eviscerated. Perhaps you can understand why Israel is not joining you in celebrating this deal. There you go. There you go. Mic drop. Mic drop. 
it's uh, it's it's to a level that I think unless you can watch it and we have it at LouderWithCrowder.com, you can't un- understand the magnitude of that. <clears throat> think about that for a second. That puts things in such context when people talk about the Jews and Hamas. And, you know, they think it's this little kind of tribal warfare over this tiny strip of land. And he brings into context that, I think he said, seven years after six million Jews were exterminated, this nation said that's what they want to do. And they've never come out and changed policy. I mean, Ahmadinejad several times has has said that they want to wipe Israel off the face of the map. They've been very, very open in the sense that they don't believe Israel has a right to exist. Now, here's something that's very important for people to note. Whether you think that Israel has a right to that land or not, even let's say you side with Hamas, right? The people who strap bombs to children, the people who fire rockets from churches, well, churches, mosques. If there's a church, they destroy it and they kill and burn all the women and children inside the church. That's what Hamas does because you can't be Christian. As a matter of fact, Muslims have it better in Israel than they have in Palestine. I don't even like using the word. It's not a country. Palestine is not a country. So let's let's take away the quibble of this little land and bring it back to the fact that all of these nations don't believe the Jews have a right to exist. Let that sink in. It's not just Israel. It's not just the land. They don't want the Jews on planet Earth. So think about that. You... Let's just say you had your way and the Jews pack up and leave Israel. First off, where are they going to be welcomed by any of the the UN nations who can't stand Jews? Um, And if they are, it doesn't matter. England accepts them. Guess who's at war with Iran? France accepts them. Sweden, where they're being overrun by Muslim immigrants who are raping Giant roaming packs of raping Muslims in these European countries, right? You think they're going to welcome the Jews with open arms? Let's (laughs) say they did. Guess who's at war with them? The same countries. Iran. Syria. Iraq. Palestine, not really a country. They're not going to stop. They've openly said it. It's not me saying this. This is them. This is them saying the Jews don't have a right to exist. And of course, this comes down to them from their holiest prophet Muhammad, pedophilia be upon him, where he said that you must find them and slay them. And some people can say it's a different interpretation and not all Muslims feel that way, but nearly all Muslims do hate Jews. If you look at the statistics, you look at the data, Muslims don't like Jews. If white Americans felt the way about black Americans, that Muslims across the world feel about the Jews, uh, it would be a field day in the media. I went to Centennial Regional High School in Greenfield Park, Quebec. I had plenty of Muslim friends. Every single one of them hated Jews. Every single one of them couldn't stand Jews. Not one. This is Montreal. Um, Matter of fact, I've, I've never met anyone in Montreal who was even remotely tolerant to people of the Jewish faith, ethnicity, race, they, they had no tolerance for them whatsoever. So it's important for you to know, a lot of, a lot of the time we take this out of context and we, we put it in this little box. It's this, land, it's this fight over this little strip. Nowhere else would there be these many nations involved in such a small land battle. Uh, it, it would be largely insignificant. It would be like 
I don't know. I don't even know what the size of it is. You know, it'd be smaller than North Dakota. Um, you don't need a bunch of UN people to come in and put a sanction for the tribal warfare out there in the middle of the, the Mozambique plains because it's insignificant. The land is representative of an ideology of people who have openly said no more Jews. None. No Jews. Yeah, but maybe some Jews. No. Maybe a little Jews. No. Like maybe that no Jews. I don't know. Maybe like maybe like we could have just a few Jews. I, I must break you. You don't have to break all the Jews. <laughs> you do not have to break. Save a few. It's just a few. Yeah, that's the problem. It doesn't. And 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 with Palestine, it's just going to be someone. You know, you have Hitler. You have Iran. You think you you think you fix? You get rid of Hamas? You think that's going to fix the problem? You think he's gone? He's not gone. That's the whole point. He's never gone. It's never going to stop, and it's never going to stop because of whether you believe in a God or not, what they see as a spiritual calling to exterminate the Jews. A lot of people don't realize this, and we'll have Gerald Morgan on after the break. We'll talk about Russia and Syria and more about this. A lot of people don't realize this. Muslims believe that their holiest of texts, right, everything after Abraham has been subverted and lied about by the Jews, that the blessing was given to it. So when your entire faith is predicated on the idea that Jews are filthy, disgusting liars, as the Muslim faith is, you're going to have a bit of a different jumping off point. Matter of fact, the jumping off point for the Islamic faith is more hostile to the Jews than the jumping off point that neo-Nazis use for recruitment. What are they going to tell you, neo-Nazis? The Jews have all the money. They're manipulating the money, and they're making us go fight for Israel for the money. Right? That's what they're going to do. You get some dumb meth head go, I'm going to join you. I hate the Jews. Let me get an Iron Cross tattooed on me. Yeah, I, I, I hate the Jews. I love America, but I love Nazis who the Americans fought against. I don't know. There's no logic to it. That's going to be the starting off point for neo-Nazis. The starting off point for Muslims is, hey, Jews tried to screw with your entire religion, but good thing Muhammad called them all out as liars and pointed it out for you, right? That's a little bit, little bit of a bigger deal, wouldn't you say, Jared? Uh, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Every single Muslim who believes what Muhammad sa has said believes that the Jews lied about the mm -hmm. blessing, that the Jews, everything after um, Exodus, is, is a lie and can't be trusted. And that's why you have the Quran, because it supersedes all those texts. It's like, well, they go through Genesis, they respect Genesis, and then they kind of, okay, and then it goes to, whoa, whoa, hold on a second, Abraham? No, 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 no. The Jews lied about that. Hold it. <laughs> No, it's, it's amazing. Is, is it Isaac Ishmael? What's the blessing? I always forget the I name. Isaac Ishmael. 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 I think. Okay. Yeah. And he got the blessing versus. I'm trying to remember the name of the other son. My, my Jacob, right? Yeah, Jacob. Yeah, they believe yeah. it switched. Well, like, that's uh, one and, way. And that seems like that's trivial. one way to interpret it. You know what I mean? It seems yeah. trivial. Like, oh, okay, so one brother got the blessing. Is that really enough reason to try and kill all the Jews? Yes. Really? Is it enough? Yes. Yes. Yes, that was a very important blessing. <laughs> it was, it was a big deal. Okay. Right. Well, we'll bring on Gerald Morgan after this to talk about Russia, Syria, more about Israel, and um, I don't know. Hopefully, you'll learn something. At this point, it's anybody's guess. Louder with Crowder. Stay tuned. Come on. 
just give me a shot. No, you're not of my class. We would never have anything in common. Please, just let me paint you naked. I promise you'll enjoy it. Well, okay. Damn, that was easy. Always good to have Rancid and always good to have our next guest. He come, you know, he joins us occasionally and then he just drops off the face of the earth. Uh, neuroscientist, rocket scientist, Christian apologetics, double, well, actually triple PhD. And he's also the first man to pay for a private flight to the moon. Gerald Morgan, thank you for coming on. <laughs> Absolutely. I actually have four PhDs now, Steve. This is thank true. You very much. Yeah, four You're PhDs. screwing me out of that last one. Okay. I Anna forgot Brody. that you did that mail in so. reverend one. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, really quickly before we go, people were tweeting, and you can follow him at uh, G Morgan Jr. on Twitter. Um, people were saying that uh, you need to straighten me out there on the blessing. I'm sorry, I always get the Ishmael and Isaac names mixed up. So what was the blessing there in the Old Testament? Well, you're not talking about the blessing necessarily. You're talking about the promise that their descendants would be numerous, and that was Isaac and Ishmael. <laughs> it was the two different, two okay. different uh, um, moms, basically. That's what they go back to. So I was right. I just didn't. And then for some, then Jared was the one who threw in Jacob. Well, it's Jacob and Esau, the brothers that fought each other. So it's a whole another chapter. You right. could really start there. Or you could start earlier. But it goes back case. with Islam. It's, it's not Isaac, how crazy you are. It's Isaac and Ishmael, and they believe that it was actually switched. Right. Yeah, Ishmael was the the favored son in in uh, Islam. So. Right. Exactly. As opposed to Isaac, and they believe it's something about the f fooling the pops or fooling the Jews fooled the rest. So that's kind of an important context. For people who wonder why the Muslims hate the Jews so much. Hey. Well, they just won't let it go. I, I mean, that's a long time ago, man. <laughs> right. Talk about holding a grudge. Jeez. Well, that, you know, it's funny. We laugh about that. But the reason it's important is they're holding a grudge because they believe the whole world has been lied to and misled by the Jews. They're just they're upset that the Jews are their older brother that have been more successful than them. And uh, that's, that's really what it comes down to. They had the Ottoman Empire. And then after that, it's just been nothing. You know, it's true. They haven't really contributed to society at all other than bombings essentially and yeah, more security well they're so. living in huts and uh they look over at israel where they have night raves yeah exactly they don't like prosperity when their enemies are prosperous they get a little pissy so i think that's pretty much any enemy who is is not prosperous when they're fighting somebody who is prosperous it's just like someone getting bitter bitter because your neighbor has a better car only in this case they have better uh economics Everything. freedom <laughs> rights society <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It, it is it is uh, it is a weird time, and again, we're talking about a generation now who starts with a jumping off point. They have they have no idea that Iran has said they want to wipe Israel off the face of the map. They have no idea about the Holocaust and how this has already happened. We see the warning signs. You have people, you know, if you're 25 or under, they have no idea. They have no context to even look through that lens. Yeah, I, I think people don't really understand when they see the Ayatollah Khomeini and they don't really understand the structure over there. This is essentially like saying that the Queen of England came out and said that the French people don't deserve to exist. Now, I might be willing to agree with that to some degree. It's true. <laughs> it, it's that kind of leadership that's coming out and saying, you know, literally, if I didn't have a prime minister in place and agree to that, I would be in control of this country. And technically, I kind of still am in control of this country. And I don't think that this people group should exist. 
That's what's happening with Iran. It's their supreme leader. Like it is the guy who right. leads the country, regardless of if there's a president or not. Well, and I think Dennis Prager made this point. People are going, well, you don't want to go to a war with Iran. Actually, the United States has been at war with Iran for decades. Yeah, I mean, it would basically turn into a proxy fight with Russia, but we've kind of allowed that to happen with uh, all the stuff that's you know been going oh, on with our oh, foreign policy. You know policy. what? Perfect segue. Let me actually play oh. a clip for you, because now with all this stuff going on in Russia, I know you've been following in Syria. Let me go back to what Barack Obama said, and everyone praised for him and got a huge belly laugh regarding Russia. When you were asked what's the biggest geopolitical threat facing America, you said Russia. Not al-Qaeda, you said Russia. In the 1980s are now calling to ask for their foreign policy back because <laughs> you know, the Cold War has been over for 20 years. Russia, I indicated, is a geopolitical foe. Not a, number one. Excuse me. It's a geopolitical foe. And I said in the same in the same paragraph, I said, and Iran is the greatest national security threat we face. Russia does continue to battle us in the U.N. time and time again. I have clear eyes on this. I'm not going to wear rose colored glasses when it comes to Russia or Mr. Putin. Almost oh. eerie looking back, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And I'm like, oh, everybody's like, oh, good one. Good job, Mr. President. You gave him a great one-liner there. And and he doesn't have any idea what's going on. I just feel like he's asleep at the wheel there and he doesn't care. He just says something to get elected. And it's our fault for being dumb enough to say, oh, he's right. Russia's not a threat. And then here we are. We can look back and go, oh, great. Well, maybe he was right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you look at you look at Syria right now, what Russia's talking about. Where's how can it get any worse? Take a look around you, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell. <laughs> it's not a great situation. Why don't you no. really briefly, because you've been following this, for the listener yeah. who has no idea, why is it significant now with, with Russia and, uh, and Syria? Well, it's just it's one step closer to Russia being in Israeli airspace. That's the only you know real big thing that he's talking about. When Netanyahu was addressing the UN yesterday, he said, guys, this is not a good deal. They feel like they can start flexing their muscle in the Middle East and they're going to come in and prop up Assad. I get that Syria is a no-win situation and there's bad people on both sides. Right. We've picked a side. We have rebels that we are supporting that the CIA is training right now. They're the ones that got bombed by the Russian jets yesterday or two days ago. Right. Right. They are the ones that have been targeted. It's not ISIS that they're going after. They're going after the people that we support. This right. is literally Vietnam all over again, where you've got Russia and China kind of playing this game. China's not in it right yet, but Russia is. They're basically going after the people we're supporting. China's just making cheap jeans while they're doing this. Yeah, they're, they're, they're good for low. that right now. They're <laughs> laying low. They're just chilling for a little you while. You ask them, kill themselves? We make the sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> then we come in, we kill them. Um, I think it's interesting that you say that because a lot of people will look back and go, well, Look at the Iran. Look, we supported uh, who ended up becoming the uh, the Taliban. Look, we yeah, yeah. At a certain point, you have to support somebody, and yes, it has to be in the United States' self interest. So I don't doubt for a second that the rebels the United States are working with could turn around and bite us in the ass hardcore. That absolutely could happen down the line. Right now, you have a bunch of people crucifying, raping little boys, and burning female Christians alive. So you take the lesser of two evils and the one that uh, mitigates a threat to the United States. So, you know, people two, three years down the line might look at this and go, why did the U.S. get involved there? Well, it's we're damned if we do and damned if we don't. And I mean that in the proper context, not swearing. <laughs> we literally are, are taken to task if we don't get involved in situations and help stop killing or we're, we're – you know, we're roasted throughout the world for getting involved in other situations and stopping the killing. So it's just, it, it doesn't, you can't win sometimes. And this president is a popularity president. 
He doesn't right. want to be unpopular, so he's going to do nothing in this case. Yeah, it's true. Well, there's more to get into with this. Syria is something that I think a lot of people don't quite understand and something that Barack Obama talked about. He wrote about this that was deliberately misleading regarding Syrian Muslims in the UN. We'll talk about it after the break. Gerald Morin, rocket scientist, brain surgeon, after this. Lyle, didn't see you there. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just relaxing and enjoying my 1978 ball dough, a fine beverage after a fine game of racquetball at the Wimbledon. There's no more quality establishment than the Wimbledon, you know. That sounds fun. I don't really know a whole lot about wine. That's why I go to simplifiedwine.com. Or I just call their number. What's that number, Jared? 844-297-WINE. Oh, where'd he come from? His voice aggravates me. I have him chained to a caravan. For simpletons like me who don't know a whole lot about wine, just what I like, it makes it easy. I either get to call, go to the website, talk with a sommelier, list what I like, what I don't like, my budget, and can have it shipped directly to my door, or gift-wrapped and sent to a friend. It doesn't get any simpler than that. Simplified wine, you say? I prefer more of a barrier to entry. <laughs> I know you do, Lyle, but you're an elitist bastard. That's why for simpletons like me, I prefer simplifiedwine.com or just calling 844-297-WINE. I'm going to do the things that I want to Back, dancing to happy songs. And, of course, we have our lovely guest, rocket scientist, brain surgeon, quadru- actually octuple. It happened during the break. PhDs, Gerald Morgan. Thanks for being back. We were talking about Syria and uh, ISIS and all that business. Did you hear President Obama's quotes there at the U.N.? Uh I heard a couple of them. Which ones are you referring Where he to? He didn't mention at all ISIS's targeting of Christians. He said they target Muslims. Ah, yes, yes. Very selective there. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they don't ever attack Christians. Actually, they're very peaceful with yes. Christians. Yes. They're yeah. actually, they, they're, they're members of the Christian Slater fan club. Well, they, they think they're a little bit too tall, so they keep cutting their heads off, apparently. This is true. Yeah. yeah. Muslims are not a particularly tall brood. Well, you know. As far as that area of, of the world Sorry, I didn't mean to be racist. I mean that dark cesspool of filth and sadness that is known as the <laughs> Middle East where nothing good has come out of uh, for several hundred years at this point. Though they did, I think, give us uh, something along the lines of the abacus. Yeah, he said, um, we don't have the clip here, but he said they were targeting Muslims. Now, here's here, there's a little bit of truth to that in the sense that, yeah, the regions are predominantly Muslim, right, Gerald? That's the right. case there. Yeah. But the people they would rather kill first are, of course, Christians, and then like you said, Muslims who aren't Muslim enough in that order. Exactly. They're, it's The Muslims that they're killing are the people that aren't radical in, in their right. eyes. Or in, in radical, let's let's make sure we define that term. People that follow the Quran. Right. <laughs> Those, If they don't follow the Quran in their eyes, they, they kill them because they're like, okay, you're useless Muslims. You're not following the Quran and doing what we say is correct. And what, what the Quran tells us to do, the huge difference between Christianity and Islam is that our Bible tells us to love people over and over and over and over. Love our enemies, love our enemies, love our enemies. The Quran, on the other hand, says, why don't you go ahead and kill them? You know, if you can't convert them, make them pay a tax for a little while. At some point, we're going to kill them anyway, so go ahead and kill them. 
Right. And, and you know what? That's important to know because that's what's going on, obviously, with Syria, with ISIS. And Barack Obama doesn't want to acknowledge it. He wants to be politically correct. And so people who listen to him, people who listen to him and don't hear an opposing view like we're providing right now, right? They just take it at face value. Oh, yeah, well, ISIS is targeting Muslims, so it doesn't even have anything to do with Christians. So that's the whole thing is they're not Muslim. They don't know that over 300 million Muslims across the world believe you deserve to die if you convert from Islam. They don't realize that hundreds of millions of Muslims believe in Sharia law, which is why it's so pivotal here. I wanted to bring this up from The View. You know, Ben Carson has been under fire quite a bit for some of his quotes on uh, how it would be problematic for a president to be Muslim and how he wouldn't vote for someone like that. Let me play the clip for you. Uh, the Constitution, Article... Uh, this is The View reacting to his statement. States, no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. Also, keep in mind, Ben Carson, that's what they used to say about black candidates. That's what they said about Shirley Chisholm. She was oh, a woman and she was black, so you know they went to town on her. So I think I like the person go to town on you, who's not sexually, is how you have to look at them. They're religious. It's like saying no Jewish person could be president. Right. I no, mean, it's why not. Would you do and that? he's basically saying that our country's not ready for it, which doesn't make it right. Uh, but there was a Gallup poll in June. It does make it right. Fifty percent of Republicans said that they <laughs> would vote so for a Muslim right. in would, the office of president. Less than fifty percent. I do want to read this from Ben Carson's camp. And okay, he said on. he didn't say that a Muslim should be prevented from running or barred from running in any way. He just doesn't believe the American people are ready for he it. Ma he, mentioned, he mentioned the Constitution. That's why yeah. we're talking about right. it. I know, the Constitution. Here's something I want to get to. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Speaking of the, listen, the requirements to be president, be 35, uh, you know, you, you didn't yeah. even read but the articles you're talking about right but now. Somebody who's a doctor, some of the things that come out of it, like he says that he doesn't believe me. And by the way, oh, I, know so that I want to get to the Raven Simone if, comment. If they say it, it's true. Um, it says, go. somebody tweeted, the United States needs a leader who is tolerant and accepting of diversity within its borders. That's what I'm. Okay. Is that not the most hilarious thing? Lesbian Raven Simone with purple lipstick doesn't realize that she'd be the first thrown off a roof with a Muslim president implementing Sharia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want a tolerant, diverse uh, place for everyone. Okay. Go to any Islamically run country that has any form of Sharia law, Raven. And walk around. Just walk around. Just walk around. We don't around. need you to say anything or really do anything. Just be who you think, you know, you can be and then see what happens. Well, you this know, we have uh, Ben Carson's response. Oh, well, yes. I'd love to hear that. Cheers, yeah. No, yeah. He's an articulate gentleman. He is. He was a little frustrated. He was there, a little seems. frustrated. <laughs> Well, it, when you when you run up against idiots, it's you know the proverbs tells you never to quarrel with an idiot. <laughs> You'll just make yourself mad, and the idiot gets dumber. It's well, the thing is that people don't understand, right? Judaism um, or Christianity or Buddhism. You know, we do have laws in this country that were, as we've talked about, based on Christian principles. That's what we had available to us. Now we created our own laws. It's not Christian law. It's laws with those as a foundation. Islam, more so than any other religion, is not just a, a, a religious um, prescription on how to live your life. It is a very specific political ideology with very specific guidelines and prescriptions as to how a society should function and what kind of laws need to exist. That's the big differentiating factor here. And, it, and the fact is the laws that are prescribed from Islam don't they're not compatible with the Constitution. 
Yeah, and, and that's the big problem. And that's what he was saying is that at, when you're sworn in as president of the United States, you you are basically, when you put, place your hand on the Bible, you say that you will uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. If somebody believes in Sharia law, there is going to be a problem with them saying and fulfilling that obligation, right? That right. is what he was saying. He's saying if you believe in Sharia law and you think that should be the law of the land, this isn't like saying you're, you're, you believe in kosher law and you're Jewish or that you're Baptist and you don't think you should drink. This is, this is a theocracy. Islam is a theocracy. It's the religious right. leaders in control of the government. And if you have a president who believes in Sharia law, at some point that's going to conflict with the Constitution. It's not going to be very long before that happens. And we need to know if you're going to be in office that you're going to say the Constitution is what takes precedence here. I don't care what Sharia law says. The United States Constitution is what I'm going to follow. That yeah, was what he was saying. Exactly. And the thing is, I really like Ben Carson. He just needs to say it in a way like you've said it or we try and communicate. You know, he comes across so soft. If you saw that interview with Jake Tapper, you know, it's, well, what parts of the Constitution are in, you know, don't don't compute with the uh, with Islam? Something question like that from Jake Tapper. And, and Ben Carson, the way he answers, you realize what he's saying is right, but he goes, well, you know, I think that there are some problems with the way yeah. they talk about treating women. Um, for example, the way that uh, they, you know, it, it 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 issues treatment of people who are non-Muslims as secondary citizens. The fact that they uh, talk about a poll tax and dimitude, I believe that these are problematic. It's like ah, come on, just 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 say it with a little bit of passion, man, because you're right. But no one's gonna believe you unless you have a little bit of snap to that jab. You know what I mean? I, I agree, and this is the reason that I didn't want Ben Carson to run for president. I am a huge Ben Carson fan. Do not get me wrong. I think he would be great in another position, but to be president of the United States, he has to change, and I don't want him to change. He's great as he is, but he's not the guy that I want at the helm. Uh, he's incredibly intelligent, and I think he would be great in a number of different roles within our government, but he's just not the guy that I want at the helm, and I, I, don't, I don't want him to change. I don't want I don't him to change about that, to make though. himself into a president. I thought that for a long time, and my wife made a good point. I think before the media, before radio, before TV, when everyone kind of has to cut through with the sound bites as, as Donald Trump has done, I bet you a lot of prior presidents had temperaments that were more comparable to a Ben Carson than we would be led to believe. Probably, but that's not the world that we live in anymore. And unfortunately, we're, we're dumb enough to allow it. And I say dumb enough, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody, but really, we, we, we're seeing the product of our own desires. Like we we function off of sound bites ever since pretty much the Nixon campaign when Ailes was kind of grooming him to be a television president. That's when things changed. And I'm I'm sorry, but just Ben just doesn't have that kind of presence. He's not that kind of guy, and I don't want him to be that kind of guy. I want him to be exactly who he has been at the prayer breakfast, and then just jabbing from the outside. But put him put him in a position where he can do some good and have the incredible knowledge that he has, make an impact on our country. There there are tons of guys like that in the race right now. Uh, and gals that would be great in different roles other than the president of the United States. He's he's just this not. Town needs an enema. enema huh? It's a very uh, you know um, you know doctoral term. It's not. Yes, it was very appropriate. You know, my deal with <laughs> that's the thing with Ben Carson. I, I I think, and I may have been wrong about him. I think you're right, but if you look at polls, a lot of people who aren't conservatives like him more than most candidates. And I think yeah. that it's because they've been fed this idea that conservatives are angry and foaming at the mouth. And I think a black, very soft-spoken man like him is disarming. And so I think I may have underestimated the value in that. Now, I don't know if that's ideal for someone to be president. You know, and he, he kind of, he kind of, 
it's like a sloth on Xanax. I mean, the guy speaks so slowly. I don't doubt for a second his intellect. But I think there's some value there compared to a Trump who everyone who's not conservative is really just rejecting strongly. I think Ben Carson is a refreshing change of pace for them as far as a general. You, you think I'm misreading that? No, I, I definitely think people appreciate it. I think really, Stephen, what it is is his confidence. He doesn't have to yell. He doesn't have to get excited. He's just right. <laughs> you know, he just has the facts and in, in he, he grasps them very well and he's able to communicate them, but in a little bit different way. What, what would you think about this? A, a Trump Carson ticket with Carson as vice president. Those meetings would be a little bit funny. Trump would be going off. Well, that's what Carson Trump was angling. Slowing him down. <laughs> you know, you saw him trying to give the, the bro uh, fist bump high five to to Ben Carson because he knows Ben Carson's a nice guy. He knows Ben Carson's popular. So Trump is kind of trying to co-opt him, I think, and and get him into the campaign. And that's another example. You know, I, I wish Ben Carson would call Trump out on the stuff where he's wrong. And he, he never does that. So um, I think that's something that a lot of people are suggesting, a Trump-Carson ticket. And what the problem with that is then you're getting into the realm of no one with any kind of uh, political experience. I don't think you need to be a career politician, but I do think you want someone who has an idea as to how the system works, like you said, because for better or worse right now, that's the world we live in. Yeah, I, I mean, I get that. I'm okay with somebody not having a lot of political experience or really any. I, I Just to be honest, I mean, really, I, I prefer somebody to have business experience. Well, so do I, but I'm saying VP and a president, it'd be better if it were, you know, like a Carson Rubio or, you know, or a Fiorina Rubio or even Trump Rubio. Yeah, or they, even, they, they, know the, they know the landscape a little bit better. I think that's the only benefit is that you would kind of know what you're getting into a little bit better. But honestly, with all of the people that we've had, doesn't matter if they have experience or not. They've still shafted us in the end. Like it just hasn't been working out when we have people who have experience go to Washington. It just doesn't change anything. They just kind of fall into the norm. So you almost kind of want something to shake up the system. And I think that's why Trump is doing so well. But let me just be clear. I'm not advocating a Trump anyone ticket. (laughs) I would advocate anybody other than Trump and other person ticket, you know, like two other people, please. Yeah. I mean, Trump is Trump is entertaining, but you know, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. So there's an issue. <laughs> we have an issue with the Trump. I, you know, I, I try and stay. I, I've there's no winning with Donald Trump. Now there's no way to argue it because his supporters will hear none of it. Uh, his tax plan was actually pretty reasonable. I, I certainly would rather have that than what we have now. So we wrote about it. We compared it with Bernie Sanders. There is some value there, without a doubt. The problem is with Trump, it's one of those dialogues that just cannot occur. And a big reason for that is the way new media and the way media has transitioned and how everyone has a vested interest in telling people exactly what they want to hear and not telling them what they need to hear. So you have a people right now, conservative voters, who a lot of their social media feeds are from news sources, conservative news sources that have been paid significant amounts of money by Trump. And everything has been pro-Trump for six months to the point that nothing even remotely critical of Trump will do. Gerald, let's keep you on here because I want to get more into your rocket science background after the break. Gerald Morgan, he's smarter than you. He's smarter than me. Shut up and take it. done this before have you had a lot of nude models I know now I forgot to shave my tits don't show this to my husband Billy Zane when it's not a party we will party hard 
Glad to be back as we start going in, not into the third. Well, we'll be going in the third hour. So Gerald Morgan, actually, funnily enough, we've talked about this brain surgeon, rocket scientist, uh, just numbered during the breaks, nine PhDs. He did some missionary work, and it's important because we'll actually be bringing someone on who was a former sex slave later in the break. Now, why is that relevant? It's not that it's the Maury show, but Salon.com, one of the biggest liberal uh, left-wing websites there is, had a pedophile write an article. I wrote a rebuttal, and then Salon gave him a platform again to write another article where he condemned me as right-wing. And I was thinking, what kind of cosmic bunny hole did I fall into that a pedophile gets to look down his nose at me because I happen to be conservative? Uh, the Salon.com uh, bunny hole. But we did some digging, and we found some really creepy things on this pedophile. So please, follow me on Twitter. You can go find it, and I want you to tweet it to the FBI because this is someone who probably should be investigated and prosecuted. Uh, Gerald, did you, did you read this? Have you been staying up to speed on it? Yeah, I, I did. And uh, he, he basically treats it like a medical condition and says, hey, I, I've got no control over this. I'm just attracted to little kids. And that's that scares me. It's almost like you're trying to normalize it. It's the first step towards saying pedophilia is something that's out there and it's OK. And he's not necessarily trying to go quite that far in his article or maybe he is and it's thinly veiled. But he's basically just trying to say, hey, I don't act on it. And uh, this is something that I can't change. I, I don't buy that. I, I really don't. There's no medical evidence for that. It's just a sexual perversion, just like any other sexual Well, here's perversion. the thing. In the article, he said he wasn't advocating it. But we did some digging, and this is an hour article. We found some screen names. Um, he does talk about having contact with children. Uh, let me read you from this guy. He said, uh, grooming seems a bit strong. I do occasionally brush the hair out of her eyes. But honestly, if I tried to run a brush through her hair and snagged it, she'd probably deck me. K is feisty that way. K is code name for her little girlfriend. Um, she, he also said that... Uh, when young girls go naked, I am liable to drool. Here's one thing, too. A smoking gun, because at Salani said he would never advocate because he knows it's wrong and he would never advocate sexual contact with a child. But we found this on an old message board where he said, once again, I've always maintained that if we lived in a different, more sex-positive society and it were legal to do so, I would engage in sex play with a child that I loved if she wanted it and initiated it. I will never deny that. Wow. So... It doesn't necessarily, well, it does talk about him grooming. Now, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, that grooming is a pedophile term that a lot of people yeah. may not know. And that usually involves, right, like getting them involved in pornography and sort of sexualizing them young, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's crazy, man. I mean, if, if the world allowed it and my, my sickness, as he's calling it, was more acceptable, I would do it. I don't, I don't understand that. And, and by the way, consent, really? From like a nine-year-old? What are we talking about? The Prophet Muhammad here? Yeah, exactly. When she was six. I don't get it. Um, well, hold right. on. He waited till nine to consummate, Stephen. He, come on. That's the big argument. You're right. That's absolutely right. I did. Sorry. You're right. You need to correct me on that. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's right because it's rape. Legally, it's rape because uh, we don't believe that they're old uh, enough to, to consent. So really, it's like me saying, well, I have desires. Um, how about I grab this, uh, this, this, this pedophile and um, just go to town on him? Just have me and a bunch of friends who, who are, you know, find a bunch of gay guys and have them just run a train on them because it's what they want. It's their desires. Yeah. And, and maybe if our, our society was tolerant of that, it'd be OK and you'd be able to act on that. Right. But, but since our society isn't tolerant of that, just wait for that day to come. Just start shaping the culture in that direction, please. Yeah. And this guy, by the way, he's not talking. You know, it is important to, to differentiate between I've seen guys lives ruined who are maybe 21 and they sleep with a 17-year-old who they thought was 18. Different That's deal. not the same. Is it illegal? Yeah, but usually they go to daddy. Daddy gets mad, and some guy is put in the same category yeah. as someone like this 
who is from all indications that I've seen in his 30s, maybe 40s, and, uh, you know, is into girls who are before they've hit puberty. It's not the same level of perversion. Legality is one thing. Perversion, a grown man who wants a girl, you know, who's basically still watching Dora the Explorer, is a very, very sick human being. And I don't know about you, but there's a certain level of, of uh, there's a level with which I don't believe understanding is required. My understanding is you're sexually attracted to children. You leave the village. That's it. Yeah. Well, this is a, this is, this is evil. This is just purely the presence of evil. You want to explain it away as this is my sexual bent or anything else. This is not anything other than pure evil people. I've been to Cambodia, second highest human trafficking in the world. I helped set up some stuff to fight human trafficking over there. And I've seen people in these cities. I've seen where they are during the day. These places are emptied out a little bit, but I've been to a church that's right across the street from this place. I couldn't. They told me to just get in, in one of the little taxis and ride around at night just to see firsthand. I couldn't. I told them I couldn't. I would jump out of the taxi. I'd probably get killed by some guy because I, I couldn't see it and not act. Right. And we don't get it. We, we play it off like, oh, it's this medical thing. It's not. It's evil, guys. Come on. You think this guy just woke up one day and decided that he started liking kids? No. There's got to be a, a definite past here for this guy to develop that kind of sexual perversion. And here's the deal. On. People, will, people, they got all over Santorum. They get all mad at conservatives who, for this entire time, said it's a slippery slope. And that's even the argument this guy used. He decried the slippery slope argument and then compared me to a Nazi uh, and compared his victimhood to the plight of the Jews. Listen, I stand by my statement. I have a steadfast rule. I'm not going to walk it back. You touch a kid sexually, you deserve a bullet. And then, let's scale it back. You don't touch a kid sexually, but you want to, you leave the village. The only talking you do is down a barrel with a cocked hammer. We'll give you a head start, so you leave. That's yeah. it. If now, of course, in te- in te- a technological world, that means you're put in a psych ward and you're not allowed to be in society, and they can give you all the little help you need. You do not get to be among uh, civilized human beings. Period. I won't walk yeah. it back. Now, I, I don't think your statement is too strong. I, I think. The only tiny sliver of light that I can see is that he, you're right. You know, we do need to shed some light on this. It's it's bad, and it is that bad. Like, kids' lives can be ruined instantly by somebody who cannot control the evil part of their sexual desires. Well, and, and they right. always say, you know— They don't deserve the opportunity to do that. Well, they always argue, and we say, what's a slippery slope? Before it got to LGBT, uh, we were saying, well, hold on, the LGB, let's talk about this, because there is a huge history of sexual abuse, often with molestation, why don't we help? Then it got to LGBT, and if you spoke out against it, you were considered hate speak. And if you said it was a slippery slope, it's now it's LGBTQAIP. And if you talk about that, it's, it, it's, it's, it's hate speech. P is pansexual. Then it'll probably be LGBTQAIPP for pedophiles. That's going to be the next move. And of course it's a slippery slope. And of course, when you, when you remove certain constraints for morality, uh, it becomes a free-for-all. Gerald, stay on after the hour. We'll be back louder with Crowder. Harold, I'd have a good mind to just toss this broad overboard. Here we are on this expedition. She keeps ranting about some heart of the ocean emerald or some sh- Getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. Oh, I'm in the speedy to 
glad to be back in this third hour. We decided to keep our lovely guest on. I actually just I just received a notification. Ten PhDs now for this neuroscientist, neurosurgeon, sorry, rocket scientist. I have to get that right because he's also a lawyer and he can sue me. Gerald Morgan, thank you for being back. Absolutely. It's, it's this little online thing that I keep doing and I just keep getting those you PhDs. Just racking just racking them up, up man. You like should that little basketball game. I just got the shot down. I'm just they're going in every time at the arcade. You should see his Lumosity score. So, Gerald, um, we were talking about this. Now, you you were in Cambodia. Firstly, tell me we're going to have someone who's actually a former child sex slave after the break. I need to figure out if I can use his actual name and we'll tweet it out. Um, what was it you did? Were you were in Cambodia? Is that where you worked in the in the sort of helped with the yeah. sex trafficking deal? Well, yeah, we were there initially just to help kind of set up house churches and, uh, you know, communities right on the edge of, uh, you know, Vietnam and out in the country and stuff like that. And just let people that were interested in setting that up, set it up. But when we were there, we actually went to uh, Angkor Wat, that big outdoor temple um, that's up kind of in the northwestern part of the country near Thailand. And um, we were there. We found out about this massive problem, this huge sex trafficking problem where kids are sold by their parents or the parents are duped. and, And really what it is. If you, you want to see what this leads to, if you want to see what the European sexual culture leads to, it's Europeans that come to Thailand and that come to Cambodia that feed the sex trade. That's the people coming. Yeah. You, want, you want free sex and, and Americans, like You want but, nudity? No, no, no. Americans are very rarely the people that come to those countries to do it. Really? I'm not kidding. Yeah, very rarely are Americans the ones going there. It's filthy Euro trash? It's filthy Euro trash. Your words, not mine. It's European vacation gone. Crazy, gone those guys are retard. I'm telling you, man, that's the kind of thing. And I was hearing when, when you were talking with Gavin and he said, you know, he's okay with some of the nudity and some of the things. I Googled some of the, the, the you know, ads that you were talking about just because I'd never heard about American apparel stuff. And I yeah. was appalled. And if you want your culture to be in a situation. Well, don't be appalled. Just say you couldn't believe it. You're, I, was I, know, I, I was appalled. Like I was appalled. No, no, please I, think of the children. I could, I couldn't believe. Like one of the girls looked like she was fourteen, and I couldn't believe that they had put an ad like that. And thank goodness it was just a thumbnail, so it wasn't anything close up. But I, I got the picture. So I, that's the kind of of thing that you're getting instilled with, and that that kind of goes back to the pedophile argument. These things are not normal. The the more we normalize right. sexual deviancy in whatever form that it takes. The more that things like this become normal in society, we already have countries where this is the norm, and we can look at how that works out for kids. Well, same thing with Thailand and, and the transgender deal, right? You have kids who are yeah. changed at a very young age, and uh, a huge portion of them are really just sold as ladyboys to be sex trafficked. I mean, that's that's Absolutely. a big reason for it. People like they're just like, well, it's a, they throw it out as a as a pro tranny argument. Like, what about Thailand? Wait, wait what? <laughs> yeah, and Thailand is the number one country in the world. In sex trafficking, which, like, by the way, is, anyone listening, do not Google uh, "lady boys from Thailand" or "child sex trafficking" because you'll see the search results and it's not. No God, no God, please no, 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 no. Jared, continue. Gerald, good <laughs> lord. Oh. oh wow, did you just call me not gay, Jared? Like, I'm really not gay. Like, that, you're I'm not suing you now. I'm a lawyer. You remember. You, no, you're not gay. You're not gay. Jared, people can follow him and draw their own conclusions. So you you dealt with this on a regular basis. Did When you went out there, did you did you guys save anybody? Did you pull them out of it? Well, we set up centers to help. So the, the government was trying to pull people out. The problem is they didn't have any skills or really any infrastructure to get them back into a normal societal life 
after that, which is kind of a weird thing over in Cambodia. There's not really a normal. And so we set up centers to help people uh, kind of make that bridge, to teach them skills, to take care of them, get them off the streets, feed them. A lot of times this is what happens with prostitutes here in the United States. They just don't know of a, another skill. And so to eat, to survive, to be able to live, they go back to what they know, even though they don't want to do it. So same problem over there. We just set up centers to help people kind of have a almost like a halfway house before they're kind of put back into society to live a normal life. Well, and relative. you know, it's one thing, obviously, people who are molested are much more likely to become child molesters or to teach yeah. it to other molesters. And, and we've talked about this for a long time. I'm not saying that this is the case. I think that some people we've talked about this are born with sexual proclivities. I know people who were just always clearly gay. Now, I don't know if they've been sexually abused, but I do know that statistically, and the reason that homosexuality was filed as a mental um, illness for a long time is because there was an incredible, overwhelming amount of data to show that most people at that point who were gay were victims of some kind of sexual abuse and that that act as a trigger. And if you talk with a lot of gay people, many of them will tell you that. Not saying that all gays are pedophiles. I'm not saying that all gays were molested. But when compared with the general populace, it was an overwhelming uh, number who were. But of course, if you ever discuss that, it's considered hateful. And now it's the same thing with pedophiles. An overwhelming amount of them are molested, but people are now saying, I mean, you have California Democrats saying that that pedophilia is a sexual orientation that should be protected by law. These are mainstream Democrats elected to office. Yeah. It, and that's, again, you start blurring the lines. And this is why we fought so hard, Stephen, over the last decades, really. And then really over the last few years, it's become kind of come to kind of a head. We fought so hard for saying, look, homosexuality is, is not a normal thing. That's not the norm in society. And it wasn't because we hated people that were homosexuals. I do business with people that are homosexuals right now. And I get people that think that Just I am the worst gay. person on the planet. <laughs> gay. Well, they're gay. Yeah. And I, I don't have any problem with that. The problem that I have is that when you start blurring the lines on what is normal and what is not, what is good and what is evil? What's the proper way to conduct yourself and what is not the proper way to conduct yourself? You end up with things like this. This is where you go. It's not a slippery slope argument. It is a definitive argument. You will end up there eventually. And I can go back to the Bible. You can quote whatever you want from the Bible. It actually tells you this is where we go first. The first thing that we do when we're defiant against God is we go to sexual immorality, whether that's sex outside of marriage, it's having affairs. Whatever that may be, it doesn't have to go as far as homosexuality or pedophilia. Right. But that's where we go. And we live in a society that tells you, do whatever you want sexually. We'll take care of the kids with the abortions. We'll take care of everything else with laws. Well, we actually did an interview with a guy who was, I know people get so mad. How could you bring up bestiality? I'm, don't compare me to them. Just like, you know, for a long time, gay people, don't compare me to polygamists. Don't compare me to pedophiles. Well, now right. the pedophiles are the ones comparing themselves to you. I actually interviewed a guy who was into horses. And he made the argument that you could oh, uh, tell that the horse was sexually aroused. There were, there were indicators that you could actually measure scientifically and that the horse was sexually aroused and uh, had a relationship with human beings. And that if you could prove that, you could prove the idea of consent. And I don't know the science, but I remember sitting there going, well, by the current parameters we have, which is as long as it's victimless and there's consent, if you can prove consent, and he was arguing that scientifically you can, I can't see a moral argument against it based on where we are. The horse was just born that way, I think. <laughs> he was born this way. That's weird. Though. I mean, that's can't that's, blame the horse, right? <laughs> yeah, that's uncomfortable. I remember interviewing this guy, and you know, this guy, this guy sees black stallion, and he's not watching it like we're watching. <laughs> he's watching Disney movies, and he's just looking at them, licking his lips. Yeah. 
if he ever gets involved really with the horse, he's going to need some physical healing as well. No, this guy was. That's a large animal. This guy was. <laughs> so, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's going to be released in a documentary that we have. There's a lot of stuff that we have footage in the can that I don't know if we'll be using or, you know, the way these things, they get locked away. But can I it, ask a quick question? I yeah. mean, really, just just a, what yes. was so wrong with waiting for marriage? Like, what, really, what what are we missing out on? Like, I get it. I'm a, I'm a single guy. And I understand that the temptations there, I've screwed up a number of times. I'm not perfect in this regard, but what's wrong with trying? What's wrong with saying, hey, I, that's the goal that I, I try to reach is to wait. Why you know do we have to is? have all this other stuff? I don't it, get it. It's a standard, and it's a standard that's very difficult, and, it, and so people feel very judged by the standard. Because I wrote about that, and I even listen, do whatever you want. I'm not talking about legislation, but I'm talking about you know, observable data that suggests waiting until you're married um, is conducive toward a healthy marriage and a better sex life. And I can tell you as my wife and I, you know, listen, she's quite attractive and we both waited. I, you know, I'm not supposed to reveal too many details, but I will say that our sex life. Pretty, 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 pretty good. <laughs> pretty happy. Steven's got that unicorn style wife. You know, you hear about them, but you're not sure they really exist. She's hot and smart at the same time. Just kidding. For, and for whatever reason, feminists out there are going to be tweeting you like crazy. For whatever reason, I managed to trick her. I have. Yeah, I know. You're swinging about that. I do. She <laughs> thinks I'm cute. Yeah, I don't know why. I have no idea why. Sorry, but Jared's I, not. In, Jared's not in charge of the soundboard today, so I don't. I need to. Steven's uh, run amuck on the soundboard. <laughs> run amuck with the soundboard. <laughs> He's like a kid with a new toy. He can't stop pushing buttons. He can't buttons. stop playing with it. I'm amazed that Jared doesn't come in with this stuff more. Well, you know, now you've raised the bar a little bit or maybe lowered it. I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know, but I think, well, come on. You, anyone out there, you're, you're going to complain about the soundboard? Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> it's appropriate at any point, Gerald. It really is appropriate. I, I apologize. This is correct. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I know you can talk about it from a third person perspective, but we're going to get a first person shooter on next when it comes to the child sex trafficking. So thank you for coming on. Syria, Ben Carson, Islam, Gerald, where can people find you? At G Morgan Jr. on Twitter. Tweet me as often as you like and do me a favor. Let's bash Stephen a little bit. I, I'd love to talk about the, uh, the world of Stephen and maybe his pushing of buttons too much with the uh, soundboard. We can do that. We can do that. You can do that. You can tweet me <laughs> at S Crowder. Gerald Morgan, thank you very much. You have been fantastic, but you must go. Yeah, go I will then. All right. And uh, we'll actually have someone. I need to figure out if I can use his real name. I'll call him during the break. Someone who was a victim of child sex trafficking. And I think his, his insight here in the Salon article is important. Because it was a sex slave. There's no other way to say it. We'll be back with him. Lotto with Crowder. Hey, listener, what are you doing? You're listening to the show, but you're missing so much content at louderwithcrowder.com. Don't worry. I'm not trying to sell you anything, not any gold or self-lubricating pocket catheters, just news, videos, and exclusive stuff that you don't hear on terrestrial radio. Again, it's, it's all free. We're not asking you to spend any money. Just visit there, get your news, and get a couple of laughs. If you want to send me money, that's fine. What? I don't even know. How do you get in this room? Cold hard in? cash. This ad took a bad turn. Hey! louderwithcrowder.com. Don't listen to Fun Dip. It doesn't cost a thing. louderwithcrowder.com.
Glad to be back. Let's just bring on our next guest. He actually reached out to me, said he was a former victim of child sex trafficking. Uh, Reverend Sir, Mr. Price, thank you for being on the show, sir. First off, it's an honor and a privilege um, to be on with you. And then with that legend in his own mind that you got running the board. Oh, yes. He's not here today. He's out in Montana. And don't worry, he'll be fired promptly. But uh, I've been having to operate everything myself today. So I've gone a little bit board happy. But I want to get right down to the nitty gritty because you reached out to me and, you know, this salon.com pedophile article came out. Have you have you read that? Have you followed that? I've read both of them. Okay, good. The original and then the follow up. And so you read that. Did you read my response to his follow up with the information of all the previous message board posts that he's made? I started to read it, but to be honest with you, my blood was boiling so badly <laughs> at that point, I had to step away. I, I can imagine because you told me that you were a victim of this. So, so tell me what, what is, what does that mean? You were, you were abducted, you were sold into sex, the sex trade. I, what happened? My birth father was my pimp. Really? Yep. And how old the were you? Douchebag earliest memory was four last memory was age of eight when i was finally taken away from the douchebag um for reasons other than what he was doing to me well i can't well and is it kind of like al capone where they caught him on tax evasion they found something else to pin on your dad um essentially but it was a um non-crime if you will that they pinned on him Okay. Because the douchebag never saw any time for doing what he did. Oh gosh. So, so this happens and uh, you're, you know, I'm, I'm imagining what, what would be the, the proportion, I guess, of, I would imagine sex trafficking. You're a guy. Was it, I would assume almost entirely men. All of my memories are of men, whether they be scumbags that were on the level of my birth father, all the way up to medical professionals. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. You were young, um, so I know you say he was your, your your pimp. At the time, for example, this pedophile out there at Salon.com right now, and I highly encourage anyone who reads the article to, to send it to the FBI, he talks about how these young people are consenting. A lot of the times, young people, are were you ignorant enough that you think they would have argued consent, or that, did they just not care at all? I, I would have... For the first part of it, I don't think they would have cared at all, but by the time I was the age of eight, they would have probably, um, honestly, they would have probably argued consent. Right, because you felt like it was just kind of old hat and you went along with it? Um, no, more being eight years old, they would have probably tried to say I knew exactly what I was doing. Right. Gosh. And... I mean, so when when you have that happen and you see now Salon providing a platform to a pedophile, you know, what bothers me is, is um, I don't know, but I just don't think that a pedophile deserves any understanding. I don't think he deserves any compassion because my heart goes out to the victims, to people like you. Is it possible that any of these people who, who took part even when you were eight um, were anything other than deeply disturbed individuals? Um, honestly, no, not at all. There's no possibility there were anything other than deeply disturbed individuals who deserve to have their nuts cut off. I can't. Well, there's a strong word to put it that way. Do you think that there's any way to rehabilitate 
a pedophile, someone interested in that as a former sex sex slave. Do you? This is what this guy is arguing that we can rehabilitate them, we can provide them with counseling. Um, do you think that's possible? Do you think there are those who can be reached? Anyone who believes that has their head stuck so far up there and they can't see straight. Really? So you, you think there's no there's no chance at all that if there's someone is a pedophile, they need to be out. They they need to be removed from society and no. For the record, I'm not saying kill the suckers. I'm saying find some random, out-of-the-way, abandoned island, build basic infrastructure as required by law, and dump all the sick freaks on that island. Yeah, it sounds like you're pretty angry. Have you, have you taken any action as far as have you been involved in any kind of work helping uh, victims of sex trafficking since then? I know Gerald's done that. Have you done that? Is that a part of your passion now? Actually, it is a part of my passion now. Unfortunately, it took, it's taken me decades to find my voice, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually planning on I'm working on de- getting all the deets together, all the details together to be able to raise some funds for an organization called the Wayne Foundation, okay. which helps sex trafficking victims. And its main and pretty much only goal is to end domestic minor sex trafficking, which is what I was put through and help rehabilitate the victims and help them find their voice and their place in society. Well, I'll for sure get that up on Twitter when you get it up. Let me know. Let me ask you this. You know, it's sort of, to me, isn't all pedophilia sex trafficking? Because at some point, that kid can't consent. There has to be an adult in charge, just like an adult in charge if there's a sleepover party. At some point, isn't someone basically pimping them out? Doesn't that occur in every single pedophile case? Not in every. There's a large number of pedophile cases that are strictly daddy's got the hots for baby boy or baby girl kind of cases. And it stays in the home and does not, and the children do not get pimped out or recorded or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I got to tell you, looking at these message boards again, from the salon.com pedophile, um, there are communities and, and all of them seem so concerned with undergirding each other and getting each other help. I was shocked, frankly shocked, at the lack of empathy for the children involved. And, and all of that, they felt like it wasn't necessary because, you know, they, they, they consented. The 12-year-old girl, the 11-year-old girl or boy consented. And so they were more compassionate for the victimized pedophile. We have to go really quickly, but is, is that pretty typical of the community where they really see themselves as the victims? Pretty much. I mean, if you want to get, yes, it's over glorified and stuff, but if you want to get a good idea as to how they view themselves, go back and watch the South Park episode on Mandla, the yes. North American Man Boy Love. That makes Association. sense. Yeah, I know. I know that episode and we'll get it up on the on the website. Well, Reverend Price, thank you so much. We'll have you back when you're talking about that charity. I know it must be difficult to speak about. Uh, we have to go to break, but uh, please do keep us in the loop and uh, you're doing good work, man. We appreciate it. It's my pleasure, and I look forward to being back on in the future. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Gosh, that is probably about as intense of a segment as we've had on this program. Aside from the imam who, of course, wanted to kill me, we had him on. We have to get Shoudhury back on. Uh, You know what? Let's go to Sweet A. We have some calls. We're going to go to your calls after this break. I can't oh believe this God. is happening. This I, is the worst thing I know. Seen. I know. Can you help me? No! Did you see what happened to that guy in the. Help me. 
Look what happened! I got in the fucking propeller! He went off the propeller! Shut up! Shut up! I needed a new model! That's what you are for me! I'm not pushing you! I'm trying to save us! Shut the f up! Shut up! We are going to calls here, and uh, oh, we've got, uh, of course, one of our more regular callers uh, who has called into the program, and you know who this is. Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows, everything that's wonderful is what I feel. Yep, when we're it's together. that time. It's Sweet Avery. Sweet Avery, thank you for calling in. Good morning, Stephen. How's it going? I am going well. You're always so sweet. You're always so positive. And you sound like a, a like a 25-year-old, despite the fact that you're much younger. Um, now, you're still in school, right? Um, yes, I am in my freshman year of high school. All right. So r- right now, you know, we've been talking about stuff on the show. W- w- what is on your mind as a, f- as a freshman in high school right now? Like, what is, what is on the mind of Sweet Avery? Well, especially living in Oregon, um, the Roseburg shooting is definitely kind of big right now. And yeah, I actually only I actually only live about an hour away from that. So kind of as a community, we're kind of mourning and just kind of in shock about that. Sure. So that's definitely on my mind. And I just really like I was watching O'Reilly last night and um, sometimes I get kind of annoyed with, with Bill. Well, everyone does. That's his calling night. card. <laughs> true but last night he um he had a really good message he was talking about um he was talking about just the politicization and how it was totally classless because okay i i understand when something happens yes we should try to figure out how to solve the problem but the fact that president obama literally said that our thoughts and prayers were not enough that to me is just so 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 well, yeah, and he came out and it was before some of the families had even been notified. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, uh, he came out and started politicizing it. You know, not only before the bodies were cold, but before the families were notified. And right away, the left trotted out talking points that you know, actually, uh, actually, that this school was not a gun-free zone. But now we know it in fact was a gun-free zone. And even though Oregon has issued a concealed carry. From what I understand, Avery, I mean, you're, you're too young, but you probably have family members. It's, it's pretty difficult to get your, your permit there in Oregon. It's not as easy as a place like, say, Texas or Utah, right? Oh, it's not easy, um, speaking on my parents' experience. And, then, and also, um, there's a lot of... So we don't have super strict gun laws right now in Oregon. Right. Um, but something that people neglect to um, comment on is that our legislators are trying so hard to pass super strict gun laws here right now. Um, like pretty much Chicago style gun laws. Right. So because Portland and Eugene are two biggest cities and they're so blue that the rest of Oregon doesn't even really get a vote. Right. Because Roseburg where that shooting happened is one of the most pro gun cities in, in Oregon. 
really. Even though the school, though, was a yeah. gun-free zone. They did ban all carrying on campus. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's that's definitely campus carry is so important. And I don't I, honestly, people that um, people that oppose it refuse to look at the facts. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they're being honest. about. It. And this is always what I say. You can't prove definitively that more carry uh, decreases crime rate, but you certainly cannot prove that restricting guns um, and removing rights decreases the crime rate. So that's the thing. Neither one is right. the evidence would tend to lean towards states where there's more open uh, carry and more loose concealed carry laws. The, the statistics would tend to lean to, toward the fact that that curbs gun violence. But you can't say it definitively. But you can say definitively that uh, stricter gun laws have never led to a decrease in crime. I mean, you look at a place like Chicago. Right. Right. And you can also make the logical argument that, you know, if there is someone with a gun, they're, you know, you know, they're there to, you know, harm someone in a gun-free zone. But in a zone where there are students carrying that um, are carrying with the intent of protecting themselves and others, but if someone does decide to come in and hurt other people, those people who are carrying um, with the intent of protecting others can can actually right. exercise that right. Oh, of course, yeah, uh, and that's that's pretty commonly made argument, and of course, leftists hate it. Right. Well, they go, well, you think you would you think you would stop him because you had a gun? Yes. It's the same thing when they go, oh, so you think your your Second Amendment right, your right to bear arms, you think you're going to fight off a government with nuclear weapons with your AR-15s? Yes. Because no leader, no dictator, what, they're just going to blow up their country and destroy all its resources and GDP and economy and kill all its people? There's nothing left to conquer. Of course, uh, an armed citizenry can fight off a corrupt government. Of course it can, still, right. to this day. Just like, of course, someone with a even a revolver could have stopped this. Of course. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, looking back on before we declared independence from Britain, um, there were major issues of our people not having the right to protect themselves from a tyrannized government. Sure. And, and that's obviously, that's a huge part of the Second Amendment is it's not just about protecting yourself from other people, but protecting yourself against this big overbearing government. Yeah, that's the reason why it exists. It's not about hunting deer. And what's crazy is they go, oh, it's for muskets. Actually, you look at the Girondoni air rifle, the Puckle gun, um, the belt and flintlock, all kinds of high-capacity weapons that fired very quick, quickly. As a matter of fact, the U.S. government had some orders out for them, but they realized it wasn't necessarily cost-effective. And either right. Jefferson, no, maybe it was Madison, wrote a letter to someone requesting, basically saying, hey, are we allowed to have cannons on our private ship to protect from piracy? Mm -hmm. it was, of course the Second Amendment protects your right to freaking cannons. Sweet Avery, you've been great, but we're going to have to let you go. Um, where can people follow you on, on the Twitter? Because, you know, you're young, but you're not gimmicky and you're wise beyond your years. So let's send people there. Well, thank you. Um, my handle is at Avery Jessmer, A-V-E-R-Y-G-E-S-M-E-R. -E -E all right, Avery. Well, thank you so much, and we will check in with you uh, sometime soon. All right, chin up. Thank you. Have a great day, Stephen. There you go. Sunshine, that was... Lollipops and rainbows, everything that's... Sweet Avery. ...is what I feel when we're together. Sorry, we have to do it every single time. I know my dog is going nuts here in the house. I have a home studio and uh, he's going a little bit crazy because for some reason, someone just tried to come in through the front door. But here's the good thing. He and my guns are better than an alarm system. As a matter of fact, with my giant dog, who you can hear barking right now, I just I, I literally uh, create a trail of expensive electronics on into my house uh, so that they can meet him 
and then uh, 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 I can I can exercise my right to bear arms. That's why that's why I don't have uh, an alarm system. Okay, maybe I do have an alarm system, but I turn it off a lot because I'd rather use Hopper and a gun. Uh, I think he calmed down a little bit. I'm sorry, Derek over there, the one who's actually producing today in uh, in our studio there, a wonderful affiliate, Wham. You know what? Let me take a minute here to say something nice uh, about Wham. A lot of people don't realize that that's my home station, and we're out in Alaska and some other places. Uh, I think play us on the weekend. I'm not quite sure. I kind of give them permission to. Uh, I've never been told anything to say from Wham. I've never been. Obviously, there are FCC guidelines, but I've never gotten a call from anyone telling me, "Hey, you can't say this. You have to say that. Hey, you have to be pro-Trump." I don't even necessarily agree with you know owners who are nice people at, at Wham. I don't even necessarily agree with them politically and everything. But when people say you're bought and paid for. It doesn't happen with this program. There is literally no one telling me what I can and cannot say. And that's because I think a station like Wham, Detroit, uh, Ann Arbor, Southeast Michigan, they understand that truth is more important than any other narrative. So appreciate them and check them out. Of course, if you are in Michigan, you can tune in live to Wham. Uh, and uh, otherwise, you can always tune in on the podcast. But that's another crazy thing. We get this quite a bit at Lotworth Crowder. People have paid Coke, brother, big oil. Big Pharma. I got that this week, Big Pharma, because I'm sure you've heard about this, this uh, pharmaceutical company that raised the price of an expensive cancer drug by 5,000%, and everyone got on the train to hate him. And I think this guy's probably a jerk, but I also think that people need to recognize how expensive it is to bring a drug to the market. It's really easy to vilify Big Pharma. It's really easy to vilify Big Oil. But people don't vilify Big Coca-Cola. People don't vilify Big Apple, all of which have much greater profit margins than oil, than uh, medical, than pharma. But it's the popular industry to vilify. It's easy to say that the pharmaceutical industry, right, they want to keep you sick so they can make more money. That's why you should use supplements. Here's the crazy thing for all those kind of nutty anti-vaxxers out there who hate big pharma, um, and they often promote big supplements. Most of the supplement companies are owned by pharmaceutical companies. Just so you know. So if they're trying to keep you sick and they're not trying to educate you on supplements, they are the ones who own the biggest vitamin and supplement companies. So it's not that I'm a drug supporter. I barely take Advil. I'm a pretty natural guy. I'm not really big on taking a whole lot of drugs. But I always hate the false narrative that comes out. And that was another big story this week. Like I said, this, this guy who raised the price of a cancer drug. On its surface, it sounds bad. And even after digging, it looked pretty bad because he reduced the price of the drug once Hillary Clinton decried him, which I thought was a little bit fishy. It's like, I'm going to raise it 5,000%. Hillary Clinton condemns him. Oh, I'm sorry, Hillary. Let me do exactly what you tell me. I don't want to say false flag there, Illuminati inside job. I just think it's a little bit fishy. But at first glance, you go, well, a dr drug being raised by 5,000%. Firstly, why do we choose a percentage point, right? If a drug is $4, for example, at Walmart, a $4 prescription, and something happens where there's a shortage of some kind of a compound that's required in that drug. And that drug goes from $4 to $40. Well, that's a 1,000% that's a increase. Yeah, it's not that much. You're still talking about $40 a month for a drug. Um, so at first glance, it's really easy to go, this is bad. This person's a horrible human being. But then when you do the math, I go, okay, well, why is it? How much did it cost to bring this drug to market? Oh, $3.7 billion. How long do they have until the patent wears off? Oh, 
15 years, whatever it is, and then they can make no more profit to recoup their investment because everyone else can come out with $4 generics. That's the way patent laws exist with pharmaceuticals. There's a certain amount of time, and that's why you can get all of these $4 generics at Walmart and at Kroger and at Rite Aid and all of these places. By the way, same thing when people are talking about Planned Parenthood and you need free abortion on demand and wearable women get their health care services. Well, rubbers at a truck stop are 50 cents, and you can get birth control for $4. If you want to get some crazy designer birth control, you can still get some pretty fancy birth control for $25. So the good news is that birth control is really, really cheap. Uh, even better news is that self-control is free. No one for the Whoopi Goldberg was on the view this week, of course, decrying pharmaceutical companies and then conservatives who want to defund Planned Parenthood going, people get pregnant all different kinds of ways. No. People get pregnant one way. By having sex. That's how you get pregnant. Doesn't matter where you... Oh, it was a... Well, you could have gotten pregnant in a kitchen. You could have gotten pregnant in a bathroom. You could have gotten pregnant... Doesn't matter. You get pregnant by having sex, whoopee. But this is the thing. It doesn't matter. Logic, truth. That's not the ultimate narrative anymore when it comes to the Planned Parenthood debate this week. Cecile Richards went up at this hearing this week and said that Planned Parenthood doesn't provide mammograms. No Planned Parenthood provide ma provides mammograms. Santorum went on The View, and they were arguing about the health services that Planned Parenthood funds. And they said, well, if you were to cut funding to Planned Parenthood, where would you send that money? And I think he said in Iowa there are, you know, 14 Planned Parenthoods, but there are 200 pregnancy resource centers that provide more holistic care to women's health. And he said, including providing mammograms, which, you know, Planned Parenthood doesn't even do. And they all said, no, no, yes, they do. Yes, they do. He said, actually, no, Cecile Richards said that they don't yesterday at the hearing. And it wasn't quite as silent as the UN at Benjamin Netanyahu, but it was pretty quiet. You can tell that these cackling broads of The View have never even heard this argument before. What I'm making here is that when you have a lot of common arguments upon which society has mutually agreed, a lot of the time they're wrong. We're going to wrap this show up in a nice bow for you. Last segment after the break, I'm Stephen Jared back with us. He was gone for a little bit while. A little bit of while. Little, did I just have a stroke? I think you did. I think, I think your, uh, your mouth is slouching slosh, a little there. Uh, I'm, kind yeah. of, I'm kind of talking the way Ben Carson talks when he discusses issues that he should be more passionate about. I would. I honestly would love to do Ben Carson videos. I like Ben Carson, but um, people, of course, would be furious that I went in blackface. You know who I bet you wouldn't be furious? Ben Carson? Ben Carson. I bet you'd have a sense of <laughs> You probably would. He probably seems, seems like a nice guy. 
Matter of fact, I was thinking about this. I, I was thinking of bringing on my first manager, Tony Camacho. He looks a little bit like Ben Carson. Having him on next week. He was a black guy, uh, liberal, but was my manager when I was doing comedy in New York. And he could kind of give you some insight as to how difficult I was back then. Could be interesting. He's a nice guy. He reminds me a lot of Ben Carson. He never got mad about anything. He would just always like, yeah, you know, I'd be like, so what they say about the, the, the callback there, Tony? Oh, you know, they liked you. But, uh, you know, I think you might have been, you know, a little too tall for it, Stephen. I think uh, <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, well, did I get it? No, no, you didn't get it. But, uh, you know, I think you did well. So uh, we'll get the next one. I'm like, ah! <laughs> and then when he let me go, we're actually still good friends. But he just I was, you know, I've always been very aggressive. You know that I've always been very ambitious. And I was like, well, Tony, can really? you get me doing this? Can you get me doing that? And he's like. You know, Stephen, I just um, I appreciate it, but you're just I think you want a lot of things that, you know, I'm probably not in a position to just to do right now. So, you know, you might be better finding someone who knows how to do this more. I'm I'm really more of just a club booker and we kind of got going with this. But, uh, you know, and I was like, oh, my brain's freezing. I, I, I'm i furious, but um, <laughs> really good guy, actually. I really, really liked him. You ever have those people where you get kind of mad at them for a little bit and then you realize like, oh, you know what? We, we were good friends and he's a good guy. It just wasn't the right relationship at that time. Yeah. Yeah, I have a couple of those, unfortunately. I think everyone does. I know who you're thinking of. But he's just uh, there's, now. There's a, sl- there's a slew of them. <laughs> the social justice warrior friend of yours who still thinks Sean King's a black guy. Yeah, most of them do. What are you, you going to do about it? I love with the Sean King thing. I love, you know, this. for those of you listening who don't know this, one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, Sean King, who received a scholarship for being black, he's a white guy. We know that now. His birth certificate, his father, uh, police reports that we have. that he, the But Stephen, what about the proof that he said he wasn't? Yes, what about the proof that he said he wasn't? <laughs> did, you know, did you know that he was offered $25,000 uh, to go to the Black Lives Matter movement if he would just do a DNA test? Did you know that? Yeah, it makes uh, he was Well, he I refused. Think- course oh surprise. surprise i'm not going to honor that with a response just, just just let us do a skin skin scraping no each of my no. black skin cells are precious. you will continue to look at my black and white photos which i have photoshopped to look darker what about this one when you were three years old and you look strawberry blonde you look like opie how dare you my mother was a whore <laughs> that's what he did the only proof he needed was he said his mom was a, a, a slut who had an affair so he's like so really my so really the white dad by the way, the white dad who I look exactly like um, is actually not my dad. And my my proof is that my mom is a filthy harlot. And then the left said, okay, no more questions asked. Okay. Well, that's what they do with everything. Think about that. I mean, that's what they do with Hillary. That's what they do. I mean, what, oh, what yeah. else do you expect? Like, what else do you really expect? Ah, oh, she 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 answered the question. I am satisfied. Imagine that. Imagine left-wing arguments in a court case. It would be like, okay, Sean King. Well, you have a birth certificate that says you're white. You filed in a police report that you were Caucasian. Uh, we have pictures of your father, pictures of your mother, all wait, your family members. White. <laughs> well, all, all your family members say that you are white. Objection, Your Honor. His mother is a whore. I'll allow it. <laughs> Sustained. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, well, Hillary Clinton, it looks like you uh, actually uh, lied about a video that was a cause for Benghazi. Several people died on your watch. You did delete emails. You did wipe out a server that you had in your basement that you shouldn't have had uh, anyway. There's, there's no evidence about that. Okay. <laughs> Objection, Your Honor. What? She helped cover up her husband's rape. I'll allow it. Let's let her off scot-free. And that's the deal here. We were talking about this. What message do we want to leave? Because we've talked about Ben Carson 
and the Sharia quotes. We've talked about Santorum and the mammograms at Planned Parenthood. We've talked about the White House politicizing the issue of gun control. We've talked about Netanyahu and the UN and Barack Obama and Russia. What, what is there in common with all of these things? Let me run through them, okay? It's that all of these things that society thinks are, are so clearly true that it's laughably absurd to disagree with it. Whenever that's an attitude, a flippant attitude of there's no discussion, usually means they're wrong. So let's go through the things that we've talked about today. The View tries to slam Ben Carson. <laughs> Can you believe that he said he wouldn't vote for, that it's a problem to have a Muslim for a president? Well, hold on, let's look at it. Muslim, Sharia law, con contradicts the Constitution, allows women to be beaten, allows gays to be killed. Of course, a Muslim president who believes in Sharia law could not be president. So they try and laugh it off to stop you. Barack Obama with Mitt Romney. <laughs> you know, you said that the, the biggest threat was Russia. Uh, the 80s called. They want their international policy back. The Cold I, I remember over. him saying that, by the way. I remember him. I yeah. was watching that. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, Even when that, I watch though. it. That's a perfect example. It's so flippant. And ha, 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 ha. You're so silly, right? That everyone just accepted Great it. sound bite. Yeah. Great, great sound bite. And guess what? Now we see Russia with Syria. He was wrong. It was a widely accepted truth. Let's go on to Netanyahu. The Iran deal is a bad deal. This is bad for Israel. Uh, people, oh, of course, it's absurd. Of course, Israel is the bad people. Of course, Israel are the people who are. And he goes up and talks about how Iran said they would wipe Israel off the face of the map. That's the truth. But people try and laugh it off before you get to the truth. Let's go to the gun thing. Oh, of course, we need gun control after Oregon. Of course, we need gun control. Look at all these school shootings. And by the way, it wasn't a gun-free zone. It's in a state where there are ton tons of loose gun laws. No. It was a gun-free zone. We know that now. Right? Fracking. Well, fracking is just... Well, no. We know Josh Fox lied. We know that fracking is safer than bringing oil in from overseas. This is the EPA that just came out with this. Planned Parenthood and mammograms and the view. Planned Parenthood provides all of these different health services and Rick Santorum says, actually, they don't provide mammograms. <laughs> That's so silly. It's so absurd. Well, no. Now, when put under legal obligation to tell the truth, Cecile Richards, Planned Parenthood executive, says we've never provided mammograms. So whenever someone tries to flippantly say, oh, <laughs> that's just ridiculous. This is the widely agreed upon truth. Don't question it immediately have to question it because immediately it's more likely than not wrong when someone wants to dismiss it that means they don't want to discuss it make sure they discuss it louder with crowder harold i have a good mind to just toss this broad overboard here we are on this expedition she keeps ranting about some heart of the ocean emerald or some shit.